Hello and welcome to episode 206 of the Round Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode, It's-A-Me, The Maker, uh, in honor of, oh god, that title, in honor of what else? Super Mario Maker 2. So, um, I'd say it's probably Nintendo's single biggest release thus far in 2019, and we've got impressions of that coming up later in the show. I know, it's kind of a late start for Nintendo this year, isn't it? Oh, more like, that's their biggest release. Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, so far, so far, so far, yeah. Yeah, because they've had like nothing else. No, I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're also gonna be sharing another big what? game. Very what were you gonna say? No. Yeah, very joy. Usually, by now we have at least one or two. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a while. We literally got like Yoshi, and then um, was Yoshi even this year? No, no. That was last year. What did we get this year besides Labo? Nothing. It's like there's been games coming up, but they're just they've all been multi-platform, and I've been no, getting Yoshi them, was this and year. I've been getting Yoshi them was this year. It was February, probably. It was March, yeah. Or March. Well, but we don't have practice at Yoshi. <laughs> we oh, just yeah, have that game. Maker. Uh, what, we do, what were you yeah. going to say? Nothing. Well, that game just came and went. Yeah, seriously. But we also have impressions of another game that's not big in terms of, like, scale, but big in terms of its impact, which is Cadence of Hyrule, the very first indie game that has access to a Nintendo IP, which is interesting. And, actually, in rarity for us, we have hardware impressions with uh, Genki's Bluetooth adapter for the Switch. So, yeah, that that's a lot of impressions, but in total, like, infomercial style there's more uh we were also at anime expo so we'll uh and we were one of the first audiences in the world i believe to see the 3d remake of the first pokemon movie so we're gonna talk about that and then we have thoughts on a whole host of news and from anime expo and games and the mobile scene and beyond so timestamps as always roundtown.com on the blog post under this on the youtube video um and you do want probably want to stick around to the end if you entered our twitter e3 swag giveaway because we're gonna be announcing the winner here even though we hosted it there, because that makes as little sense as most of what we do does. So, you know. But anyway, to start, let's um, yeah, let's talk about where we've been the past four days. The reason this episode is a day late, which is Anime Expo. I went to some of it, but you were kind of like living and breathing it, really, for the past yeah, four days. I mean, Anime Expo, it's just like our other Comic-Con. Like, Elvis and I have been doing it for definitely over 10 years. Elvis, at least, like, 13 years. But I don't know. I mean, th- we we watch enough anime that it's just always fun to go and discover like what new shows are coming out or the shows that we did watch. Like just seeing a bunch of merch that we would never ever get because I guess Japan just loves to merchandise the heck out of everything, and the U.S. doesn't really do that. Mm-mm. Well, depends on the show. Stranger Things has seventy tie-ins with brands, seven zero. So. Some do, but a lot don't. Yeah. And even a then, and, and, even, and even then, I would still say that that's like almost non-existent compared to like yeah, Japan where it's compared everywhere. to like what Japan does with like a lot of their properties. Yeah, like almost like to excess. Like you'll have doilies of like from, you have doilies for Dragon Ball all the way to like five foot tall like statues. Like it's yeah, it's crazy. Like they they literally there's like no in between for them. And in the U.S., like I mean yeah, we do have a lot of stuff. And I was gonna bring up Pokemon. Like oh, but that's Japanese, so it's like yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want a good example, there's but all we all the stuff we do is like pop up stuff or like limited time things, like the Game of Thrones promotions, or it's like get the special Johnny Walker, or get the special Oreo, or get the special. But they do that, special, and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the closest thing we got have to that are those Funko Pops because they're just endless. Yeah, but, but it's only one. But, item. Yeah, but then it's just yeah. Funko Pop. Yeah. yeah. Well, regardless, it's fun. We get to try out games. Sometimes like Capcom will show up randomly, and we'll get to try Ace Attorney before it comes out. Sometimes. Yeah, like, there there is a video game like current. Yeah, but, anime, I mean, you, which you, is why I go. I, don't I care mean, you get. I a, honestly don't watch much anime. Yeah, he likes Pokemon though. But yeah. I do, I do. I mean, you get, yeah, like a lot of those like mainstay coming. You get Arc System Works. You always see like the Dragon Ball Fighter Z. That's where I got to see a lot of like Nine 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 and Virtue's Last Reward, like those kind of games. Nicholas is there this year. Yeah, at least. so 
We have Wave Forward usually has some kind of presidents, just because I guess anime loves them. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it, it's a good fun convention. It, it is got, fun because like got to play Smash Brothers and just like Rex I feel like every convention. Just so what'd you do at the convention? What'd you do at E three? What'd you do at Anime Expo? What'd you do at Comic Con? We're talking in the future now. Play Smash Bros. <laughs> like I guarantee it's gonna be the three. Yeah, it was just like some guy just had a booth and he was just like playing people one stock. Hold on, he one... set up his own booth just to challenge people to Smash Bros. Because that's oh, amazing. He... If so. He represented something. Like oh. I, I mean, I didn't really pay attention to what his booth was about. Yeah. It looked like he's not just a guy that plays Smash Bros. It looks like he does like he's like a content creator of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like he has like a brand and everything. Yeah. But I just cared about the Smash Brothers. He's like, all right, let's see who could beat me. Like he's just lying. And then everyone before me like kept losing. And he's like, oh, good try. And then I go in, I just beat him. Did and you then, win anything? Um, he gave me some high choose, and I mean, I guess I wrecked his career. That's not good. <laughs> high choose and a career just destruction. That that yeah. seems like a fair prize um but yeah it's fine because like to me at least ama expo like it's kind of like the eye of the convention season storm to me because yeah. i have like e3 which I, is big, I, I see it as and then comic con pre-gaming yeah. yeah exactly it's like kind of just smacking those like anime expo you which... get the congestion of comic con but not really the scope of comic con yeah like, it's, it's like a little smaller like just size wise like, it, it's, it's bigger attendee wise or, it's, or no, it's about actually. I take that back. It's a little smaller too. It's about yeah, 100, but even then, like I mean, that's still kind of nuts considering just like what a compact space it's in. Because Comic Con like is kind of spread out in the entire like downtown San Diego. Yeah, this is just literally in the convention center. So you definitely feel like a can of sardines sometimes. Oh yeah, and and like the thing is like I mean, how would you rank them? Like, because in my mind, in terms of like scale, well, even scale... though not not tennis, but in terms of just like I don't know. Like to me, it just goes like E three Comic Con. Well, E three and Con Con kind of neck and neck. Maybe Con Con E three AMA Expo. In that kind of hierarchy, wait, I don't know why I'm ranking by. Wait, what do you mean? Wait, what are you ranking them by? I don't know. Like, I mean, in terms of what you I, like, I, them? I, I mean, don't know. I think it's just like in terms of like magnitude, like I mean, impact. Like, because this one feels like even though it's bigger than E3, it feels smaller than E3. Well, that's you know what I mean. No, well, I mean E3. I mean, Anime Expo for me feels more like a Japanese farmers market. Yeah, like, a very big one. It's like the front row of booths are there to like advertise stuff to show you what's coming, like pretty much what you would see at E3 and Comic Con. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I would say like seventy percent of the expo is just a bunch of vendors that import stuff from Japan here to sell you that stuff that you yeah. wouldn't normally be able to get anywhere. So I feel that's why like it doesn't feel like as like impactful or grand, right? But. I mean, if you do watch a lot of anime, like, it's, like, the only place that like, we could get, like, our Mob Psycho keychains or our Attack on Titan or whatever. But, I mean, that's stuff, like, I right. care more about. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously for me... But, I mean, but yeah, I mean... From the Nintendo perspective, it's significantly smaller. But, but, but there's still... But, I, mean, I mean, given that, I, I would still agree with your Comic-Con E3 anime expo, yeah. but obviously it would be way different I in, think terms part of, it, in, in terms of which ones we like more probably. I honestly think part of it is also that like even though Anime Expo has been around you've gone how many years did you say like a bunch almost a decade yeah and like it's big it's 100,000 people but I think part of the reason it always feels like it's less like magnet like it's less of a thing is because like every year feels like they don't know what they're doing I don't know what this is like the first day of every year they just don't know how to organize lines they don't know how to like set things up by day two or three they figure it out but you'd think if you've been around for you know you've been going for a decade you'd think by like now they just know on day one what to do and they wouldn't have to relearn every single year but like we were sent to the wrong line for an hour and like it was just chaos well, it took like three hours for people to get in got and... something out of last year which well you well last year was better from my understanding, oh, two yeah. years ago was horrible, and this year was somehow worse than two years ago. Just getting in on the first day. Once you're past the first day, and all their staff go, "Oh wait, we need to organize this and hire like people overnight and redo the lines." By day two, three, four, it's fine. Like every year, day one, though, it's like, just like maybe we can do it. But I don't um... know. It's so weird because like yes, when I went back yesterday, I went Thursday. 
I went Saturday. We're going Sunday. They record us. When I went back yesterday, it was so much better, which made it the same convention. Like, what changed? Why could they not do that day one? Anyway, that's... Yeah. I um, mean, that's the convention does, right. like... It's slowly taking up more space. Like, it's slowly becoming what I had mentioned that Comic-Con already does. Yeah. Like, before, it kind of just was, like, all in South Hall. Now, yeah. it's, like, spreading... Like we now had, West Hall is like, much you, of a yeah, show floor. You had, all, you had all the South Hall, and then you had, like, one random room in, like, the third floor that was the arcade area. Yeah. Then that small room slowly just engulfed all of West Hall. Now, that's, like, this huge other thing. West Hall's where, for those who know E3, when you watch it online or TV or whatever, West Hall is the Nintendo Sony Hall, and South Hall is the third-party hall. So South Hall is physically the bigger hall, but they're both massive. <laughs> yeah, and then now, like, even on, like, Crunchyroll's taking over, like, the Novo. Like, they never really had anything off-site, which is yeah. kind of crazy. And the Novo, for reference for the video game people out there, I feel like I'm just, like, a glossary for you, is where they do the E3 Coliseum every year. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels like it's only a matter of time before they start like doing other stuff. I mean, like taking over other things. And yeah. at one point they were considering moving to Anaheim. So that Anaheim did, is a bigger that ended up yeah. not happening. That probably would have been for the best. But I do kind of like it just being like a bus drive away. So or a car drive or a train ride or a... well, just the fact that I don't have to drive over there. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like really easy. Like we do that every year. Just go over there and back, and you know, it's fun. Yeah. So let's actually talk about like what was so there. something that did kind of surprise me just. I typically don't really care too much, too much, too much about mobile games in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially like, oh, I have my Switch. Why would I need to play some mobile games? And I mean, yeah, Hearthstone kind of counts, but you could also play on the computer. Hearthstone's kind of weird. Like, I can't. I don't even have it on my phone. I well, I can't have it on my phone. It's too much you of a get problem. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. But then this year, like, <laughs> but as I started playing that, and then as I've mentioned before, I got into Brawl Stars. I started like kind of keeping an eye on more on like. Just mobile games, like, all right, there are some cool ones that I really do want to play, especially on my iPad. That's kind of where they're all living. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, Capcom, like, formally presents Tep in there. Like, they're Hearthstone, basically, of main Capcom properties. What What's funny about that is it looks like a fighting game. The booth is like an arena. It, it looks like an E3 booth. It looks yeah. like they took an E3 booth and plopped it in the middle of a not E3. But me and uh, one of our friends were walking up to it, and he's like, oh, my God, what is this? He's like, what is this fighting game? I'm like, I have no idea. I've never heard about this. It has, like, Mega Man X in it. Like, it's the best-looking Mega Man in years. Like, he looks super cool. They have all the characters. Like, is this, like, Capcom Smash Bros.? And we're like, whoa, we should check this out. And then we get closer, and my friend just goes, it's a card game. and just, like, storms off. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt that. I thought that was yeah. kind of On the other hand, remember then, I was like, whoa, it's a card game. And I was like, oh, it's a card game. Because, like, <laughs> in this world, like, I mean, like, I'm currently just, like, I guess that, yeah, I'm actively playing Smash Brothers. My brother, he sometimes plays Smash Brothers, but mainly Mortal Kombat. Like, when you add another fighting game, it's just, it's a lot. You you, you typically don't want to have, like, a bunch of games you're juggling at once that you're trying to get good at. Right. So having a card game is just kind of perfect. And, I mean, I love Hearthstone, so if any property that I really care, I mean, I don't care about World of Warcraft. I've played enough Hearthstone now to the point where, yeah. I guess I now have, like, nostalgic memories, like, oh, Deathwing and all these other characters that... I'm sure if I play the original World of Warcraft, which I think is getting a remake, actually, I'll have, like, reverse nostalgia, where it's like, oh, man, it's this guy from Hearthstone, or it's this other oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though they obviously originated from there. But, I mean, if you if Nintendo did this, or Capcom, which is doing it, like, it'd be mind-blowing. Right. And the game is really cool. I love the fact that it's... Like, when you normally when you do a trading card game, I mean, just the fact that it's digital, I love that you don't have to collect cards. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty generous with the in-game income. So you get a bunch of packs just for playing it normally mm-hmm. there's a story mode and a campaign which is really cool for each character but normally you take your turn then you wait for your opponent to take a turn and on online games typically you always run into those opponents that pretty much run out the clock 
mm-hmm. and just do their turn on the last second, and it's really annoying, and it kind of makes you want to, like, I don't know, punch them through the screen. Wow, but, you get aggressive. Okay. Well, I mean, when you I know what you mean. Enough, I know yeah. what you mean. Because like, you'll do your turn, like, you pretty much plan out your turn during their turn, because you can't do anything during their turn. Mm-hmm. And then, unless, like, the card you draw really changes it, but most of the time it's like, all right, I'm going to do this. Especially the first few turns. But then you still have the person running out, like, the whole three minutes. This one, both people are playing at all times. It's, it's like, real time. Which is really cool. Like, you put down a monster, and as soon as you put the monster down, they'll already start attacking automatically. They'll have, like, this little arrow that goes from their th- from your side of the screen to your opponent's side of the screen. And if it hits their character, they take damage. But if they put a monster, one of their own, on their path... It takes the hit, and you are protected. So you don't have to wait for your opponent, and you can actively react to anything they do at any time as long as you have the energy for it, which slowly builds up over time. In many ways, it's it because I played a demo too, and I was horrible at it because I picked a bad deck, but I was going to say in many ways, it's kind of like Super Puzzle Fighter if Super Puzzle Fighter was a card game. Like the idea of like the real-time tug-of-war back yeah. and forth, it's that. They just took the idea of like Puzzle Fighter, and we're like, oh, card games are popular. Well, if we expand it to all of Capcom, and then that's how we yeah, are cool. here. cool. I like that. I mean, according to them, I'll make every game last about three to four minutes, which, which is great for mobile. Which I think is really great. I mean, like I kid you not, like Hearthstone, the average game right now, like given the current meta and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. is about five to ten minutes, ex- unless you play against a warrior deck. And warriors, their whole strategy is play every single card they can. They pretty much don't try to kill you; they just try to survive as long as possible. And then they'll just find ways to keep adding cards to their deck. And if you're also playing a control deck, which just means you're just trying to survive as long as possible, too. Mm-hmm. I've About two weeks ago, I played a game against a warrior that lasted about 40 minutes. Yeah, if, for like, a mobile game. I mean, that's also on other devices, so it's not as mobile. But like for a mo- like for Tepin, it's targeted at mobile, so it would yeah, be awful if it was 40 minutes. That's ridiculous. Like 40 minutes yeah. is way too much. And I ended up losing in the end, which is like makes the 40 minutes feel like even a more waste. of a waste. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think Teppan makes sense. I honestly think Teppan makes sense on Switch. And I say that for two reasons. One, Capcom is so port-happy on Switch that why not? And two, the whole game is already horizontally yeah, oriented. I feel like it it's one have... of the few smartphone games that actually I feel like it feels has to... more native to a 16.9. I feel like it would test. have to be like touchscreen only, though. Just... Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. so it works yeah. if everything. No, yeah, but so the... does Elder Scrolls... Um, no, no, yeah. Game yeah. When it, arrives I mean, like, it would obviously look like awesome on a TV. And I mean, I guess like... It's well, I guess it's actually on PC because they had streamers playing it. Because I mean, mouse and keyboard. Like, no, they were they were playing streams of the mobile game. You can stream mobile games. Really? Huh. It only said iOS and Android. Well, because I saw like the streamers like in the booth, and it looked like yeah. they were playing on a computer. Oh, maybe it. Oh, they're only advertising it. As iOS I mean, I haven't Android. really. Yeah. Fact check that. Yet. Right, right, right. I mean, if I it, do it right if now. it lives available on PC, point is like there are some mechanics like because you could block your you drag your monsters to your one three lanes to block attacks. Mm-hmm. Like, say you have, like, two energy, and you're waiting for four energy to play a monster to block an incoming attack. And, like, you think it's going to be close. Like, oh, by the time I build up my four energy, I have, like, less than a second to drag the monster over to the lane to block the incoming attack. Then, like, I mean, dragging it with your finger, it probably can't get any faster than that. So that's probably why I feel like they can't really put it on anything that uses, like, buttons and controls. Right. Only mobile, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So... It's produced by Gung Ho. They've also brought games to Nintendo before. Puzzles and Dragons, as originally all in Yeah, they're working on the Ninja Kids Bubble uh, Ninja- Ninjala. Sure. Which got delayed a year. It's supposed to be out this year, now it's out 2020. Well, yeah, I heard they were like, addressing a lot of concerns that people had yeah. to play the demo. I mean, yeah. it's a cool-looking game. I just It's Splatoon with Bubblegum, yeah. and that's 
Mm-hmm. It's just clunky. Yeah. Which is what everyone says. Like for a game that's supposed to make you feel like a ninja running around walls, it feels you feel more like a, like a, the like person a, cleaning up after the ninjas or something. Yeah, you feel like a ninja tank. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and I guess like besides that game, I mean, there are a lot of mobile. Yeah, games. I mean, like, like I mean, a like, lot. like I'm a huge fan <laughs> of like Mob Psycho 100, which is a yeah. great. I mean, if you like they anime, you should play that game. I mean, you should play. You should watch that show. It's only like 24 episodes total. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like that has a game coming, Attack on Titan, which also has, has a game coming. coming. Yeah. Then there's like two other games um, on mobile. There's like one based on. It's by the people that made Regalia Lost. It's like their version. Yeah, side games. Um, it's um, that's the company. Not I forget what it's called, but it's Fate. Uh, that no, one's not them. Yeah, that one also it looks interesting. Like I played it, and then there's also like a a Ruby game that's like a another match three, but. It's kind of different than other match threes because, like, you I guess have to incorporate like their powers from the shows, and I don't know. It's... It looks, if anything, it looks like Crystal Crashers from Nicholas. Well, that one is straight up Puzzle Fighter, right? Yeah, but it kind of yeah, because the other one is single player. But oh, gotcha. Yeah, and then um... yeah, Crunchyroll's publishing like so. Crunchyroll has a whole video game art, and that's what that is. All those games minus um, Teppin are all, and the side games one obviously. Which, by the way, Dragalia Lost actually has a booth. Like, we should. Swing by it today, but um, and of course, like there's a new Tales game coming out, which is just for Tales mobile. of Croatia, as you texted me the yeah. name. It's, it's not Croatia, yeah, but you definitely sent me Croatia. And I was which, like, I saw the trailer, crazy. and then I they throw they threw in like a bunch of char- main characters from other Tales games, so I wasn't sure if it was going to be like a Fire Emblem Heroes kind of deal, or if right. it's like its own thing. And then these other characters, I guess you could summon Unlock. for like bonus stuff, kind of like how I guess you could get. A Monado boy into Xenoblade 2. I forgot his name, actually. Shulk. Shulk. How you can yeah. get Shulk into Monado Xenoblade boy. 2. Or, or if you want to keep on the mobile theme, if you buy Fire Emblem Three Houses and you have it linked to your My Nintendo account, Nintendo just announced you will get the star of that game in Fire Emblem Heroes just by having your account linked. So they're starting to do that, too. Huh. Everyone's doing that. Yeah, so a lot of more games than I expected. Yeah, but but what's funny is like there's more games but so far to a place that I didn't expect. Yeah, so it. far not much on Nintendo scene. Sometimes as you said Capcom was there with Nintendo games or whoever, but what is funny is like we didn't have the games from Nintendo but we had the properties. I mean, Lab Zero was there. They had Indivisible on the Switch. Yeah, there had That's a few, true. There, there were some. There's yeah, some. there were a few Switch yeah. demos like from Nicholas and Yeah, like Nicholas had a booth, um Axis Games Nicholas, had a booth, yeah, however you say it. Uh, Axis Games had a booth. But it's funny cuz like Nintendo themselves last a couple years ago were just randomly there. They weren't but their properties were definitely there because one of the biggest events that we went to during the convention, like it was one of the big things they did this weekend, was um, the, I think, world premiere, that's what one of the directors called it, of Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, which is the 3D remake of the original, what we know as Pokemon the first movie. And what was interesting about it is this is, I believe, the very first time that the Pokemon company has actually let a Japanese version of any of the animated shows, be it the anime or now the CG, um, be shown outside Japan in official capacity. They actually made a custom um, subtitle thing. I don't know what it's called. Sub? Custom subs? It's not dub. Uh, it's not dub because yeah, there's no voices. Custom subtitles. Yeah, yeah, custom subtitles just for this screen. And it's unclear if they're ever going to release it properly or if this was just for us or what. But yeah, we got to see it. Yeah, I I watched Pokemon the first movie so many times that I mean I guess like as I was watching the movie, I, I guess it kind of worked out because like you can actually the, do a comparison. The, in your yeah, head. there there were a lot of like I mean I, I remember so many of the lines and a lot of the well at least in the subs like yeah. they were like they pretty much just copy pasted the dialogue. Like a lot of it was Dude, just the whole movie was kind I know, of copy yeah. I mean I know, you know like, the like, infamous I know like like down to like 
the, the I mean, Pikachu slap fight was like shot for shot. Oh insane, well, I mean, like which had to be. It was like well, I mean, like besides like just like a bunch of scenes, like just the whole movie was shot for shot. Like they took every scene. They there, could, was a, there was but, one like Bulbasaur fighting scene that was not near it. Like when they're eating the picnic and Bulbasaur's like fighting something. I don't remember that. Near that was it. Was it? Yeah. Is every, it really shot for shot? Yeah. The, the the only thing that's different. Armor and Mewtwo for five seconds. No, that's <laughs> always also in there. No, but the design's different. Yeah, that's, that's why it. they're making it a thing. He's in Pokemon Go no, yeah. now. It's a big deal. Yada yada. Yeah, the design is different, but everything he did was still identical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only thing that was different was that instead of Team Rocket, like Blasting. he pretending to be Vikings, they were grabbing like a Lapras boat. Oh yeah, yeah. And apparently, like I was reading some Twitter impressions after just to see what people thought, and apparently, there's a reference to a Gen three, a move that was introduced in Gen three in the dialogue, according to someone. So they did do the tiniest of changes to make it more yeah, canon like, with current I mean, like, Pokemon. They they shorten like there's a scene where like Mewtwo's playing like on a windmill and in the original it goes on for like maybe fifteen seconds and this yeah. one it goes on for like maybe five. Yeah. But then in the first one, like when Venusaur is fighting Venusaur and the original one, Venusaur just like throws out his razor leaves. Um the other one, the clone does vine whip and grabs them and picks them up and that's it. Right. And this one they actually throw out like they throw energy ball, which didn't exist in Gen One, and then Venusaur does leaf storm, which didn't exist until Gen Three. Right, uh, and, that, and that's what killed 3. it. Yeah, yeah. So like they they sense it, but then there were other things that I was like, wow, like did they really just like have the animated one like on the side? Because I mean, you could reimagine like some fights and still have the the plot progress in the same way, but like every little like movement that Pikachu was in when she when Pikachu was dodging like the clone Pokeballs, right? Like, or the, or again the slap fight. Yeah, like the yeah. Well, I mean that was shot for shot too. Well, I mean, everything was, but yeah. like, I mean, like, it just bothered me, like, how close to like shot for shot it was. Like, I mean, I guess it doesn't bother me, but it's just like it seemed like it, it was. It was, too. it was kind of like, huh, that's interesting that they didn't bother taking any. They did a couple like swooping cameras. I don't remember were those all in the original, like when they swooped the camera through the fights, when they swooped it around things. Or I mean, there were cuts, but I mean, it pretty much achieved the same thing. That's like right, but that's it, what, that's, what, was... that's what watching this movie was, I guess, interesting because like I've been wanting to rewatch. As many, as many times as I've watched the original, I've it's been a couple of years since I've actually seen it. Yeah, but I still remembered it. But it's like, all right, I wanna, I want to rewatch it. So then rewatching this was because like it was because it was so identical. It's yeah. like I guess I don't really need to rewatch it. What, what's funny about your complaints is you you ducked out before the Q and A started, but um, they someone I mean, I asked liked them. It. I mean, yeah, I know. Was, yeah, uh, it was it was good. It was good for, it's yeah. literally like if you, I mean, you've seen it already. <laughs> yeah. Let me put it that way. So if you. However you feel about Pokemon the first movie, that's how you feel about this. But what I was gonna say is it's funny because you, your point about how it's shot for shot basically is like they asked someone asked a question to the direct the two directors were there as was the voice actress of Ash or Satoshi as he's known in Japan and um yeah they were asking why 3D and the answer I'm just gonna read it to you because it does not really mesh with anything you're saying which is what's kind of funny it's been our plan to use 3D animation on Pokemon movies for some time now. We felt that using 3D animation technology, we could portray an extra level or dimension uh, of uh, the Pokemon world that maybe would be a little different to do with a more conventional method. We felt that there's a a level of depth and interesting imagery we were able to achieve thanks to 3D technology. It sounds like they didn't do any of those things based on your side. Because when I watched yeah, it, I, I mean, was like, ooh, swooping cameras. Yeah, I but mean, to your point, I they mean, like, didn't really do much else. Because I mean, like, sure, like, the shots look dynamic. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's still doing the same thing that the 2D camera did. Like, it didn't really give me anything, any mm-hmm. new perspective. There's no, I mean, there literally is depth. Yeah. He's right. But but even then, but like, there's no new dimension. And literally, but, there's a new dimension. But Because the thing about it is, like, when. When you reminisce about something, like, especially right after you've done it, yeah. like, that's usually where I feel like those things have to, like, clang or, like, stick. Like, oh, this is, like, well, this is what made it different. Yeah. But 
when I re- when I just go back and think about it, it's just like oh, it's just the first movie. Like I can't really. Yeah, my nostalgia. Yeah, my memories for then that again. Are, then again, know. by definition of its exist, it's Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Poke. That's the Japanese name of the first movie. Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back. They literally just evolved it into 3D. They did nothing else. They did not try and trick anyone here. They're being very straightforward. It is the... See, I don't even know if I'd call it an evolution. It's more like Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Plus. The way... (laughs) New Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Plus plus implies there's more to it. I mean, if they wanted... If they were going to do this, they might as well have just added Pikachu's Vacation to it. I thought it was like... I was kind of hoping they they would do that, actually. But um, the way I described it, on Twitter afterwards was it's basically the video game. It's like, you know, it's like you, when movies do remakes, they're usually different. This was like the video game remake of a movie. This they made the... better graphics. They improved the audio and they had like a couple Easter eggs for fans thrown in as a bonus. Like there's a great little, uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who sees it, but there's a great reference to the American Pokemon cartoon. That's not the Japanese one. Because of the subs? That. No, no, the, um, ah, screw it. I'll just spoil it. There's a, who's that Pokemon joke, which was very specific. That was in the original. Was it? Yeah. Was it really? Yep. I thought it was exclusive nope. to this one. It was in the original. Okay, they didn't. I'm telling do you, that. that's like everything right. was the same. So it's literally just better vis- or better graphics, it's, quote unquote, and better audio. Yeah, and, and and that's and I feel like the quotes are very appropriate because like some, I mean, I love, I don't know, some effects. I would actually, I should kind of like how they look better in 2D, honestly. Interesting, and this is kind of like, from an Amir's perspective. So this is legitimate feedback. I don't know, like like some of the particle. I don't know. I just thought like something just looked cooler like i don't know something about like hand-drawn fire just looks a lot nicer like when yeah. it's like animated correctly and i don't know rapid actually pretty cool in this oh no 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 i, I mean like the fire like oh when, sure, when, like, sure. like flamethrower and th- that kind of stuff no yeah, yeah the, the the rapid actually look pretty cool but um i i will say i at first thought I mean, some I w- stuff, or go ahead yeah, but thoughts, some stuff sorry. like obviously did look better in 3d i mean this was i mean the closest video game thing could come up with is stuff this is more of a Crash Insane Trilogy yes. equivalent because I mean it's the exact same game everything's in the exact same spot if you play the first one you already know whether you like it or not Yeah, everything just looks better Yeah, maybe this is what some people remember the first one looking like because of nostalgia goggles right I mean Crash honestly like Insane Trilogy that's kind of how like if you were to think back about Crash like oh I remember playing that game that's kind of how you would probably picture it in your head and then you look at it in real life and you're like what but and then you go play it on PS1 Classic which is now only $16 at yeah. Best Buy but Resident Evil 2 remastered or our Rari remake it yeah. is not since that game is the first game but pretty much done in a completely original and new way right I will say one thing I was pleasantly surprised by is I thought the humans looked kind of weird in the trailer they were fine in reality they, the whole... they definitely did they did a good job making them look like their age. Like, Ash yeah. and Misty definitely look like 10-year-olds or whatever they're You know what the whole thing had kind of a vibe of, honestly? It kind of reminded me. Not Okay, so the environments were great. Those looked like almost feel realistic. The Pokemon looked, the water. looked good. The water looks fine. But what actually surprised me is when you combine them with those characters, I got a very distinct, like, 1970s Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman thing. You know what I'm referring to? Like those kind of like stop motion animations they did uh-huh. in the 70s. That just the combination of like the real environments with those like kind of cartoony fake characters. Like it felt very much like that to me, which isn't a knock against it at all. I think it was kind of a cool look. But yeah, because the world was so real and the Pokemon kind of blended with that. And then you had these characters be like, hi, I'm the 10 year old that's also very cartoony. So, so I wonder for the next like decade they're just gonna do a whole evolution line of movies just remake every they're all, movie they, they're up until the point that they catch up and then going forward they're all gonna be cg no because they announced to us after the thing when you already left that the next movie in 2020 is 2d again it's called pokemon with you 
Oh. Yeah, so this is a weird one off. Isn't that the sequel to the Pokemon I Choose You movie? Possibly, but either way, it's an animated one. Well, they haven't said if it's a sequel. Because I, I know, they I know they've it was in Japanese. I don't know. Because I know they've <laughs> already announced like the sequel, and I want to say what's called Pokemon with you. Yeah, well, either way, they're doing a two D one in twenty twenty. So maybe they're gonna alternate now. I mean, maybe was, they're gonna do like the games. No, do a I mean, new that one, one could have already been. I'm one, sure that one was already in production, and they had just had to wait for this one to come out and just yeah, see how maybe how it is. That was actually kind of cool thing about the screen is never mind the movie being shot for shot, which was it was good for what it was. It just was what it was. Um. They had a bunch of like stuff for us there afterwards. Like, they had the reveal of you know uh, Armor Mewtwo being in Pokemon Go. That was to us. They had the first tease of next year's movie, which some people care about. Um, and they had the Q and A, and then they had um, the voice again, the Japanese voice actor for Ash or Satoshi, um, Rika Matsumoto. I have to write her name down. I don't remember that, but uh, she actually did a live performance of a Pokemon song. I guess she recorded for the Japanese show and is like well known within the fandom that watches the Japanese version. So that was kind of cool for those people that are into that. She did the whole song, like, on stage and did, like, a call response and everything, and then we took a big photo with Pikachu and yada yada. But, like, it, was, it really did feel like an event versus just a screening, which was, you know, props to Pokemon Company for getting all their different pieces together to have, like, Niantic sync up to get the Armored Mewtwo thing going and all that all in one event. So that, that was kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, there was stuff on the Nintendo side of things beyond just Pokemon. Even though we were saying it wasn't a big year for Nintendo, there's still stuff that kind of was Nintendo adjacent. Uh, you already mentioned it a little. Way Forward had a presence this year, and what caught my eye was actually just kind of their resurgence. Like, I, they haven't gone away, per se. They've been around. But both before and at AMA Expo, they had a handful of announcements, and they've been very quiet lately, so it's kind of nice to see them announce a bunch of stuff. And the big one on the show floor was a collaboration with Arc System Works to revive the old River City Ransom games um, as a new game called River City Girls which is coming to Switch and everything else um, it basically flips the script to the original games so instead of the girls being kidnapped now the boys are kidnapped and need to be rescued by the girls and they're going all the way in on the hey it's the girly version one like they have a super poppy theme song they have like it has like a toy different looks there's like manga inspired interstitials as you battle there's fully animated voiced anime cutscenes. Um, I imagine they're being made by the same people that did that Shantae 5 one. Who is that? Studio Trigger? Is that yes. the name of it? Yeah. I imagine it's the same people because they look stylistically pretty similar. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that like they're not just rebooting it, but they're like, okay, this is its own distinct thing. We're just kind of paying homage to the franchise. Yeah, the game definitely looks like a really good beat-em-up. But I mean, it's way forward, so... Yeah, like it's not really going to go wrong. Um I am kind of curious, like, what sort of depth it will provide, though. Because, like, 2D beam-ups, you know, they can get a little repetitive. And they're charging 30 bucks for a digital version. They're processing a physical version after that. So I imagine... Uh, but that's the thing, though. Like, if we find them repetitive... I mean, that's either that you're either... In it or you're not. You're either in it or you're not, yeah. But I feel like... Beam- because the repetitiveness is what some people, I would say, like... Yeah. I mean, that's what a beat-em-up is. You're just going True. left to right... Doing something and they are they are adding layers and make it sound like it is going to be a bit more to it. I mean, there's six regions to explore, whatever. But they're also like have a whole new attack combo system, and you're going to be able to recruit NPCs, which is kind of interesting to fight alongside you. Some of whom are actually the stars from the other River City Ransom games. So it's kind of that nod for fans. So like, it does sound like there's going to be plenty. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if it has longevity for me personally, but I am curious what you thought about the fact that they're going back to sprites. Because they went hand-drawn for a while with their games. And now River City Girls is sprite-based. They have the animated cutscenes, but it's sprites. Mm. And as someone that's seen them evolve 
through sprites to animation. I'm curious. Oh, I like it. I mean, they didn't always. I mean, they went with sprites for the Mummy remastered or remastered. Demastered, yeah. As they called it for some reason. Because it was a down res from the movie, which um. bombed. The movie, not the game. Well, yeah. probably both. I don't know. Well, I mean, I heard the game was really, really fun. I mean, it's on my wish list, but I mean, it's a 2D game. And I mean, I don't know. 2D art is like really great when it's done right. So. Right. And they're very good at it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I don't know. I, I prefer some games do like sprite based versus hand drawn. So, like, I mean, if it were my choice, I would have probably preferred that Shantae Hatching here was still sprite based. Because, mm. I don't know. I feel like I like the look of. Shantae and the Pirates Curse more than Half Genie Hero. Half Genie Hero was still great. Well, but... then here's a question for you because one of the things they did at Anime Expo was release the Shantae 5 trailer intro animated thing. Yeah. So, what do you think of that? Because well, that is going further into that look. Well, the thing is, like, if you're going to do like 2D animation, you have to like go on. I feel like you got to go on. The, the, the one I, the one, when you're doing hand drawn animation for your games, you have to do. Like traditional animation, like flash animation for me, like just ends up. I don't know. I mean, someone can make it look really good. I mean, it looks. You're you're trying to dance it, around without actually saying that it feels kind of cheap. I think it has a kind of a shortcutty feel to it. Yeah, because I mean, it still looks great, and I get like they're pretty much recreating what would be done with sprites. But when I look at games like Warrior War, Warrior Land, Shake It, and um, Skullgirls or Indivisible, like those are all traditionally animated all the way through. Right, and they look amazing. Like there's right. no. Like, oh, I just have this head, and I'm rotating it back and forth. Right. Because, I don't know, and like, even, like, some people that I know that I talk to, or my brother specifically, like, he'll notice, like, that kind of stuff. Like, like oh, they're not really animating it, they're just rotating it. Right. But when you're hand-drawing everything, like, you see in the trailer, I mean, or in the intro, then it looks like, whoa, this, like, looks amazing. But there aren't that many games. There are very few games that do full-on traditional animation, where you mm-hmm. have to redraw everything over and over again. Because it's time-consuming. No, yeah, it is. I, I mean, mean, Cuphead took yeah, how many I mean, years yeah, to I make? Mean, look at Cuphead. Like, if Cuphead did, like, hand-drawn, but with, like, the Flash animation style, like, it would look significantly cheaper, even if it played exactly the same. But Yeah, and I mean, that's probably why they delayed the DLC. Yeah. Because that was supposed to come out this year, and now it's 2020. Yeah, that, that's why... Right? I mean, if you do sprites, like, that's cool. <laughs> right, right. Because, yeah, the... What were they calling the DLC? Like, Last Course, Delicious Last Course, something like delicious that. Delicious that... Last Course. Oh, Oh, that's clever. DLC, Delicious Last Course. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, that, like, that's delayed now because they are hand-drawing and it takes time. You're right. But, um, you know, there was one little thing in the Shantae trailer, actually, that uh, some people got a little, I don't know about riled up about, but it caught some people's eye. You showed it to me yesterday. It's, um, there's a Smash Bros. logo. Whoops, in the, it's sort of backwards and then forward in the in the trailer. Yeah. Do I... you think it means anything? To, to those who haven't seen it, it's a window of her house. Yeah, and it's the in the out. it's in the yeah the and it's in the uh, smash emblem shape and they show it from her side so it's backwards and they show it from the outside where it's forward. Do yeah. you think there's anything behind that, or do you think it's just a coincidence? I think there's nothing behind that because the design of her house has always been like that. Um, the angle probably just made it look that way, or maybe they intentionally made it that way, but it still means nothing. They yeah, it's a good way to build buzz. They just wanted to design. get buzz. Yeah. Like I don't know. I think there's nothing behind it because I mean, yeah. way forward and Studio Trigger did it. And it's a multi-platform game. It seems. It just seems like we're pulling, we're reaching for straws if we're... Not only that, yeah. but, like, Nintendo doesn't usually let the companies tease it. Like, think about Joker. That like, came out of nowhere. Think trailer, about Dragon Quest. If the trailer Quest, during, like, a Nintendo Direct... Yeah, then for then, sure. Then, yeah. But it's just, like, a random thing that was thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um... And, I mean, it's fine because the timing would work. 
DLC 4 would be winter. Sorante 5 comes out winter. So those line up. But yeah, I think the fact that they didn't, like, Nintendo doesn't let them do these things, and certainly not on their own, so I, I doubt it. I think you're right. Um, there was one other way forward thing we should, we should probably touch on, and that is a compilation of Mighty Switch Force for what else? Switch. And Great all the games. other systems. You should get them. Yeah, it um, I it might comes... get them again just to have them all in one place. Yeah, I mean, how would you describe for people who haven't played Mighty Switch Force? Because it's been a while since we've talked about it. It was like the p- early Wii U days and peak of 3DS is when these games were big. Yeah, 3DS is where... 3DS is where they shine, yeah. really. Yeah, it, it's just... I don't know. I feel like they're definitely better on 3DS. Yeah, like, well, because they're made yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they use, like, both screens and, like, many cases. And they have and... the 3D effect because one of the whole things, you're switching Mighty Switch Force. You're switching blocks, and if you get an Emmy on top of the block when you switch, it shoves them into the screen. Yeah, it's a cool... And it cracks the screen. Essentially, you're, cool you're switching certain blocks from the foreground to the background. Yeah. So when they're in the foreground, you could move on top of them. When they're in the background, you can't interact with them and you get the that death layer effect but i mean the gameplay is still really fun it's just a puzzle platform where you just run and jump and shoot yeah and you're like and collecting at least in the original if i remember correctly collecting like convicts or something around the map so it's not just like a linear path you're kind of going to find them yeah right? the hooligan sisters yeah hooligans. in the first game and then as you're running and jumping and shooting enemies you're also like activate you're switching between the platforms like simultaneously so you have to be kind of quick about that yeah. and then if, occasionally you might get some platforms that don't change as you're standing on them and then that kind of switches up the puzzle mechanics other levels will have them change automatically in intervals like every two seconds so you have to be really quick about that mm-hmm. and then the second game you're a firefighter and and now you have a hose yeah now you're shooting water and then that also like changes how it plays and then the hooligan sisters are now like they're all working for you i guess like you you set them straight, and now they're just now they're uh, fellow firefighters. Yeah, but and it doesn't you know. need the 3D effect to be clear. Like, oh, yeah. You sort of touched this, but I played it. I played it on Wii. U, no, yeah, they, I had, uh, yeah, they, they just edition. fade out essentially, yeah. and so. it's totally fine. Because yeah, uh, what the compilation comes with is the original, and then the HD remake Hyperdrive Edition, which is what I had. Yeah, the and game then is the it... sequel, and then there's a fourth one called Mighty Switch Force Academy, which was never on Nintendo system before, and is multiplayer, and is now going to be in the collection yeah the game isn't that long but no they're all pretty short but together it's a pretty decent amount how much of content. is it uh i don't know if they i want to say 20 maybe 30 wow that's really cheap it might be 30 might be 20 one of those one of those numbers that's less than 40 and more than five yeah or 10 well, but yeah no it seems like if you've never gotten it like it's a really good opportunity to jump in because i mean these games date back to like we're talking double digit episodes for us we're talking like episode 38 or 9 is when like hyper drive edition came out so like it's cool that they're bringing him back for a new audience, and it just it works out so well that it's on the Switch because it has it in the name. In fact, the trailer they did for it was really clever, where they're talking. Well, I forgot how's the wording of it. The most impactful game of all time. No, the next where it's like the the so impactful a console is named after it or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 that's what it was. Yeah, but anyway, so that that's coming down the pipe. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and then. My Switch Works was also in good company because another franchise we used to talk about an awful lot here on the show is also jumping the Switch and was also announced kind of in tandem with Ame Expo, and that is Professor Layton. Well, the spinoff of Professor Layton, is le- at least, uh, which has the mouthful of a name. Lady Layton? Of, I wish it was called something that simple. It's uh-huh. Layton's Mystery Journey, Catriel, and the Millionaire's Conspiracy, which is just like five words too many, to be honest. But uh, is this an anime title. It, it's very much an anime title. But yeah. um, Jason Ernst, there's like titles that are like over a sentence long. 
What was the one that you're like, this is a real thing? I'm like, no, it's not. You're like, yes, it is. And I'm like, yeah. no, you're kidding. It's and I turned part, it's just that time Was I it got, the slime? Yeah, that yeah. time I got reincarnated as a slime. Yeah, and he was saying it like, he's like, it's real. I'm like, ha, 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 very funny. He's like, no, it's real. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And then I turn around, there's a giant sign, and it's real. Yeah, we literally have a book right here about that anime. Oh, why is this here? It's just, a passport. You're supposed to get a stamp at different booths, and you get like a lithograph uh, or something. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, it, um, yeah, what were we talking about? Leighton. Yeah. Leighton was announced going into Anime Expo. So Level 5 had a panel at Anime Expo, and they confirmed Yokai Watch 4 is coming to Switch. That was their big reveal of the show. But like in the days leading up, they're also like, by the way, we're bringing back Leighton. It's going to be on TV for the very first time. Which if you think about, it's kind of wild that there's been so many Leighton games, but they've never been playable on a giant screen. Only on an iPad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, since you're a big Leighton fan, I felt like of between Yokai Watch and Leighton, this is probably the one we should talk about of the two. Um... It was previously on 3DS. It was previously on smartphones. But yeah, it's first time it's going to be on TV. First time that this version will be in HD. Uh, that means, obviously, you know, it's got HD graphics. That's a given. But it's also going to have all the DLC includes. It's got 40 new puzzles. It's going to have refined, quote-unquote, from the press release um, puzzles, which I assume means ones that were bad are now not. And it has 50 outfits that you can unlock to give to uh, Catriel. So there's that. I'm so used to like playing latent games on mobile or on a mobile device that playing them on a TV almost feels blasphemous. Like I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, like, that's the beauty of the Switch is it has a handheld mode. Yeah, that is true. What What's funny? I think my favorite bullet point about the game, though, and it really just shows like how everything's uh, cyclical, is they're hyping up an improved layout that puts all the puzzle information on a single screen. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the whole pitch of the DS and the 3DS that they spread things out across two screens so it's less cluttered? And now they're like, now it's improved because it's more cluttered. Yeah. <laughs> it's just but like, to quote, you know, to borrow a line from True Detective, time is a flat circle. Like, everything's just cyclical. But uh, anyway, yeah, Nintendo's going to be doing publishing duties on this one as well. It's out in November because uh, clearly the back half of this year is not crowded enough. Nintendo clearly didn't leave the front half empty for no reason, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's out November 8th, and yeah, do you think you're going to get it? Because it's different than normal Leighton's. It doesn't have an overarching storyline. It's 10 or 12 individual cases that are self-contained because it was made mobile I mean, first. I'll keep it on my radar. We'll see. So Why didn't you get it on 3DS? Then, this is too many games. Uh, that's fair. I mean, Smash Brothers, God of War, Resident Evil exists, so, you know. I We should do some sort of checkbox, like, do you have a checklist where you just make sure you name those three games? Because <laughs> no. you pretty much do it every episode. It's impressive. But uh, yeah, I'm surprised you're not like more gung ho about. Plus, it, you were all plus about Crash Team Racing. Games. Like, I know we talked about it last episode, but since then, that game got even way more. It's way more intricate than I ever thought it was. Apparently, there's like so. a whole like fuel reserve mechanic that I didn't know was a thing. Essentially, if you're boosting a whole ton, you it keeps this like hidden. It has this hidden counter with how much you're boosting, doing it every time. And if you happen to complete a three boost combo on a boost pad, um, like you have it, to do the final boost on the boost. Oh, like you boost, yeah. boost, boost into the boost pad. Yeah, like yeah, boost, yeah. boost, boost, and then as you're boosting, you land on the boost pad. Yeah. Before the boost runs out. So essentially, if you just go over a boost pad normally, like without you're just playing the game, you'll it'll last like maybe like two seconds, like it would on any other kart racing game. Mm-hmm. But in Crash Team Racing, if you're like, let's say you've done a whole lap of just crazy, like drift boosts, like anywhere you can, and then you take that boost. It is possible to have that whole boost last through the entire other lap as you're still drift what? boosting. And essentially, once That's you're a long boost, yeah. So once you hit that boost, as long as you keep drift boosting without letting that flame go out, and you don't touch any walls, you can have like pretty much an infinite boost. 
And if you make it to another boost, boost pet, you're essentially just like keeping it alive, essentially forever. So if you were to get at the game, like you're playing online, there's gonna be some people that you're just never ever gonna catch up to. So you're saying the game is already even. So you're saying. I know it's the wrong franchise. I realize it's the wrong anthropomorphic animals, but bear with me. You're saying you use the boost to get through. Sure. I'm so proud of that, even though it makes no real sense yeah, in this context. Yeah. No, you do. You use the boost to get through to the free boost. You have to boost the boost. Use the boost to get through to, what, to your sure, goal. Sure, yeah. Good job, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm yeah, I'm waving my hands in the air like I want a trophy. Yeah, um, so yeah, that game is, is crazy. So because of that, it's you're insane. not getting... Yeah. Latent potentially, potentially is what you're saying. Yeah. I do find it surprising that because you were so gung ho on latent back in the day, I'm kind of surprised that you're not as just like, yep, done. Well, is I it mean, because it's like the different narrative and it's like not? I mean, I only, I only cared, directly. I only really cared about the latent games up until they got to, I only got into latent because of Phoenix, right? Because they right. had latent cross Phoenix or latent right. versus Phoenix right. a while ago. So I only really wanted to play the games leading up to that game. Oh, uh, you just need the backstory. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like the games enough. I mean, like they were kind of like phoenix like i mean you had animated cutscenes which are great yeah and narrative driven stories and you do puzzles to progress instead of court cases but i definitely preferred the court case side like right, i like the right. franchise but it's not like one i would consider like oh i gotta get all of them right that makes sense um yeah i, I don't know why i never got into it i don't think i like i don't think i really do brain teasers like I don't think i like my brain being teased i don't know i, I never uh, like that, that I type of thing do, never resonated with me i don't know it's I don't know. Maybe I will get to all of them eventually. Like I'm still making my way through part three, but there's like four, five, six right. that are all Professor Layton before right. I even before get, even to, get to, to Catriel and her. Let me scroll up to that long name again. Millionaire's conspiracy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, beyond Layton or the Layton brothers or whatever that. Oh yeah, that, I forgot about that one. That was their mobile only one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and that one got kind of eh, reviews if I remember correctly. But anyway, beyond Layton. Um, most of what Nintendo focused on these past few weeks actually meshes with your earlier point about how Ami Expo's game presence was very mobile heavy. Because all Nintendo did for the past few weeks is mobile. Like if E3 was There's the a Dragon big, Ball card game now, like everything has a card game. Card everything game. has a card game. But no, if uh, Nintendo doesn't yet. But if like if you look at E3, that was like the big Switch well, blowout. I guess Pokemon. I mean, yeah. Well, that that one that one's okay because it already existed. Yeah, it's not. I started like playing the, the mobile game of that one too. You did. Yeah, the Pokemon trading card. Oh, for... how how is that? Before we get to Nintendo's other the game, mobile news, it's funny because I mean I've had a few Pokemon cards, but I never got into it or bothered to learn how to play it until a few weeks ago. Wait, you never had played the Pokemon trading card game until a few weeks ago? Yeah. Do you realize you're talking to a multi badge? I signed your badge. Trainer. They're just two. That's multi. That's multiple. I know, yeah, Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's <laughs> why you said multi. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have two badges. I am one fourth of the way if they still had that lead going, to being a Pokemon <laughs> trainer game ago. master 15, 20 years ago. No, it's it's surprisingly fun. It's, it is. It's funny. It's both very simple to learn because, like, playing the first few, like, tutorial games, like, all right, like, this isn't that bad. But then I see my friend play online who's, like, really deep into it. And, yeah. geez, like, some of these strategies are ridiculous. Like, and it, I don't know. It's, like, for how... As easy as it can get, it could also get just as complex, which yeah. I do really like about that. I just want to see if I could make a really good Chat Todd or Pinsir or one of those characters deck. So we'll I think. just can't believe you've never played it before a few weeks ago. Weeks ago. I mean, it never it never caught my attention. Like I guess. 
I mean, like, to me, like, I typically like to play things as a represented, as close as I can to the representation of the show or whatever medium I'm watching it in. And the video game was that. So it's like, wait, wait, wait. So, so what, like, was well, your first, what was your gateway to Pokemon? The show? I don't know. I guess the show, I think it was the game. But you didn't, remember. you didn't start playing, you didn't get the original game, did yeah, you? Yeah, I said like I got the I got Pokemon Blue when it came out. Right. Oh, and then you lapsed. That's yeah. And then I beat it. and I was like, all right, that's cool, but whatever. And then I didn't get back into it until like Diamond and Pearl, and that's when like I really that's like after breeding was announced and there right. was, and it was with way more. You just needed deep. that Pokemon sex to be a thing, and then you were all in, is what I'm hearing. Well, the battle the battle <laughs> system just had to be more complex. Yeah, yeah. Like I like that they like branched off with like physical and special moves and that kind of stuff. I mean, in the first one, it was like the special and physical move were character were categorized by type right like normal was always a physical move versus poison that was always like special which mm-hmm. didn't make sense for moves like hyper beam which is clearly a special attack and not a physical one but it's anyway fi- it's fine because you definitely are all in for like but like specific things in the things you're interested but, in like i was like, like oh pokemon and but, i was all about it yeah but like pokemon it's like all right you do one we won battles whatever like in the game in the card game like it's like i don't i'm not gonna have like four Charizards in my team like I just want to have the six and that's it like right. I, I, I just wanted to mimic the game that's why I got really into Yu-Gi-Oh because you know the show is a card game and the actual game yeah because I did game. not I was never big on Digimon I was never big on Yu-Gi-Oh because I just viewed him as wannabe Pokemon because I was so entrenched in Pokemon uh, fandom did, did, I know it's did, not I know, yeah. I know it's I know, like, not Digimon like, I know the, at least not. the first season because that's all I really like really watched I felt like that was just like a better version of the Pokemon show because it had like a much better story. Dude, I was blinded by fan. It, by it, fan it, it felt like I'm they actually. You. It felt like they actually tried in their narrative versus Pokemon. Like po- Pokemon just felt. Whoa, whoa! You know what's true? Shots Poke- fired. The Pokemon is very formulary. Formulaic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a procedure. It was a procedural versus. It didn't have like an overarching yeah, Digimon, story that mattered. Digimon had like a narrative they tried to build like from beginning yeah. to end yeah. it wasn't like I gotta be the very best it was like how do we get back home and Digimon was the true and... detective to Pokemon's law and order yeah so anyway but I, I will say but yeah the training card game yeah it's when I, yeah no when I was a kid like when Pokemon when I saw Digimon like I, I wasn't hate watching it but I was definitely watching it like with a critical eye like how is the, why are they doing this is just Pokemon but the, but the animals talk this is just Pokemon but like Ash I mean, has goggles instead of glass like, uh, has goggles instead from of from Animex but was a Digimon actually this year. I, I've now come to understand their differences. I, I bought a Tentomon that transforms into his. It looks like a trans. It literally looks like a transformer. Oh yeah, because yeah. it does transform. Does it go do the sound? No. The they nope. say their name and they like spin around like a bajillion yes. times and it takes like a whole minute because yes, they have to yes. save on animation. And they digivolve instead of evolve. And I was just like, that's dumb. Like I'm telling you, I was so <laughs> drunk on Pokemon as a child. Like I was such a Pokeaholic that like anything that well, even resembled it. The only one I was like, oh, that's okay for some reason was Monster Rancher. Really? That's the one that I was like... I know. Th- I, is, think, that I a, think... That looked like a knockoff between both of them. I think like, because it was so similar. It's like Digimon and Pokemon drunkly had like a one-night yeah, like stand. Yeah, like a one-night stand. It got, got that. It's their love child. No, I think I think for some reason it, something about the similarities was just like, oh, okay. Like it almost like it felt like home. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, it really well, I mean, no it was I, one or the other. I, mean, I was a child. It made no sense. I feel like everyone liked Pokemon and every once in a while you got people like me or our yeah. other friend that like also like Digimon. Yeah, yeah. But those that didn't, it's because they like Pokemon so much that they were like, eh. Yeah, no, I was, like, blinded by Pokemon Faith. My one Yeah, like, guy. I like that the main characters, like, are actually, like, they actually grow and age, like, throughout the series. And you should That's see, like, cool. they're, like, they're actually, at Animex, so they announced a movie that is supposed to be, like, the conclusion to, 
like the original character's like story that because i mean there were like a lot of they followed other characters but right. now they're bringing it back to like oh they're adults now like what happened that's that's kind of cool also and it's they, like a movie so like i want to actually see what they're they also are bringing uh pokemon pokemon digimon cyber sleuth both games that's what's called I've heard right? they're really good I've yeah both of them are coming of them, to switch but... in a two-in-one pack yeah, i never went to the digimon games but i did like the show that's that's interesting that you were that the shows were your gateways because for me it was like I watched the show because I liked the game. Well, I don't know actually. I was like seven. I don't know what led. For, I know I got the game first. I think it was all just at once. The yeah, cards, I, I, the show. I, I, I the can't game. remember yeah. which game for to yeah. the show or the game. It was probably the show, but I don't know. I think it was the game. Well, I, I definitely remember my friend bought Pokemon Blue at launch I mean, and brought yeah, it to school I, and showed it to me. And then the next day, I bought Red. So I guess it was. The yeah, game. I'm sure I saw someone with the game at school at some yeah, point because yeah. I remember also taking my Game Boy Color. Just go to battle people. And what's so. weird is now people don't necessarily bring their systems to school. They just bring their phones and they're like, look at this new whatever I have on my phone, which is probably why, back to the point I was making before, every single thing at Anime Expo felt like it was phone related. And then every single thing that Nintendo's been doing since Anime or since E three has been phone related. Because like like I was starting to say, like if E three was the switch blowout, then like these weeks since have been like the gent the more gentle build of uh, smartphone game news. You know, we talked about like how Fire Emblem, you'll be able to get the main character in Heroes if you buy the game. And it ranged from little things like that to like basically the entirety of Dr. Mario World being shown. So it was for Nintendo, it was a very mobile centric couple weeks. I think my personal favorite thing Nintendo announced, which is the tiniest thing, it wasn't even an announcement, they just sort of slipped it out there, is um, alcohol is now a thing in Animal Crossing World. Oh yeah, vacation juice. Yes, vacation juice. Technically, it's not alcohol; it's vacation oh, it's juice. Alcohol. But it, oh yeah, it's so alcohol. It looks like a tropical drink, you know, fruit slices and all. I mean, it's basically um, jungle juice. Yeah, I mean, like straight up. I mean, it gets the villagers drunk. I don't know if you guys have seen this, anyone listening, but there's a clip of Isabel flowing around where she. It sounds like someone was like filming her drunk, but literally, there's a clip of Isabel flowing around where she's dancing or maybe flailing with these big paper fans in her hands after having a sip of and on her either, vacation and her, half and her eyes are half open like you know that episode of Parks and Rec where they go to like uh, the snake hole lounge and they all drink snake juice and they do those rapid fire cuts of each of them being super drunk to the camera that's basically what this is <laughs> like that's where we're at now in Animal Crossing and what I really hope happens like really really hope is with New Horizons also being set on an island you know it's also a vacation um Maybe Vacation Juice makes its way into HD. Maybe we get 1080p Drunk Villagers next year in March. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be so great. Or maybe they introduce other substances too for them to abuse. Maybe a big part of New Horizons, which does sound like a rehab center in name, is that you have to rehabilitate your villagers after they go on wild benders. Mm-hmm. All off Vacation <laughs> Juice. It'd be great. But anyway, yeah, I just thought that was super funny and I love that Nintendo did that. Uh, but anyway, real mobile news. Dr. Mario World. Let's talk about that. In the time it's taken Nintendo to announce Mario Kart Tour, to do a beta test of Mario Kart Tour, and then to still not have released Mario Kart Tour, we're going to be going from nothing to a full release of this upcoming Dr. Mario game, which is a mobile first Dr. Mario game, which is significant. It's not just Dr. Mario. Like, it was first unveiled, you know, a couple weeks ago, sometime in June. And then we got actual details these past weeks on how it's going to work. And, yeah, this is a rethinking of Dr. Mario for mobile. But I think what's actually most important, at least for you, Angel, 
is uh, Bowser's playable, and he has a medical degree. Yeah, that's amazing. Dr. Bowser is definitely a plushie I hope exists at some point. I'm sure it will, because like, they could do a whole line of plushies, because every oh, that's right. single... Japan. Of course they will. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. It'll be at Anime Expo next year. Yeah. But yeah, every single inhabitant or of the Japan mushroom... Or Japan when we go in 2021. In 2021, yeah. We have to go to Anime Expo in the year between those. So. That's true. There's yeah. two, potentially. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just crazy that everyone in Mushroom Kingdom now has medical degrees. There's Dr. Peach, there's Dr. Yoshi, he has a snazzy little medicine bag. There's Dr. Luigi, I noticed in the multiplayer trailer. There's at least a couple of the Koopalings who are also now doctors. Like, I imagine the Mushroom Kingdom has the shortest wait times in emergency rooms now. Because, like, literally everyone's a doctor. You don't even have to go to emergency room. You just go downstairs. And whoever lives with you somehow is a doctor, apparently. But anyway, the reason for all these new doctors is that Dr. Mario World, as I started to say, is not just a smartphone entry of Dr. Mario. It is a rethinking of what Dr. Mario is in the mobile sense, that for better or worse. Me too. I thought it was going to be a straight up... It's like, well, it's not just Dr. Mario backwards. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a straight up Dr. Mario, but no, it's like a whole thing. So each of those doctors, they actually have special abilities, and you use those to help clear your board of viruses, either in single player or if you're playing against friends online in real time, which is a cool feature. Uh, like Dr. Peach, she can clear a line at random, a full line of viruses. Uh, Dr. Toad, he can remove random objects on the board, I think up to five. Yoshi can do like three. Like they all have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, they're all triggered by the player with a special move mirror that you tap. Uh, but they also have somewhat, here we go, here comes the gotcha. They also have attack and defense levels, which influence how many garbage pills you can fill your opponent's screen with or defend when you're from when your opponent tries to fill your screen and i bet you can't guess how you unlock those doctors by waiting no randomized draws oh yeah it seems to use just like every single mobile game a mix of in-game currency or currency you can buy with real money which means that they have 100 percent gotcha dr mario uh there's coins you can spend which are earned in game or you can use purchasable diamonds uh, and then use those on coins to get characters. And on top of that, there's also in-game items that give you temporary stat boosts. And there's hearts, because, yep, there's a stamina meter here, too. I'm so, it's so, oh, it's so, uh, just, I'm so distraught that I can't even form sentences or words anymore. No, it's not that bad. I mean, compared to, like, compared to Mario Kart Tour with its triple gotcha, it looks like, as far as I can tell, there's only a single gotcha. So that's good. I did just see on their Twitter the other day they announced assist characters. I don't know what that is exactly. It seems like you can have like Koopas and Goombas help you in some capacity, and I would not be surprised if those are either for purchase or gotcha as well. But we're still only at two gotchas, not the three gotchas of Mario Kart Tour, so it's it's still not as bad. I know where they're called gotchas, but I feel like they should try to come up with a different name. Because it totally sounds like they're just like making fun of the buyer, like, gotcha, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've paid for our thing. Well, technically they don't. That's just the colloquial game no, term. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha but yeah, I think they call them more like randomized cha- Well, if they call them loot box, it'd be in a whole other field of hurt, world of hurt, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the most egregious act of this the whole thing is... The prize mechanic. <laughs> yeah, the prize mechanic. There you go. But you know what the most egregious thing is? It's not the gotcha like that. I figured there'd be some level of that. I think it's the fact that the pills rise bottom up, not top down. Like, what? It's true in both single player, um, where you need to like hit certain clear conditions to beat the stage, and it's true in multiplayer, where it's kind of just an endless mode. But it's it's just like, wow, what? That's not Dr. Mario, that's Dr. Wario. They literally flipped it upside down. Hmm. But um, I, I actually don't think, like, in the grand scheme of things, in all honesty, I do get it. Like, I'm being a little facetious with the, the egregious acting. Like, if you have it bottom up, you can play with one hand like you can use your thumb 
to move the pill where you want it to fall or rise. But that kind of is also undermined by the fact that you can now drag and drop the pills anywhere on the screen at any time and tap them to rotate. You don't even need to wait for them to fall. You can literally just place them where you want. So they're doing the bottom-up thing, presumably so you can play one-handed, but then you still need to use let go of your phone or use your other hand to actually fully do it. So I'm kind of like, why did they just do it top-down and keep it that way? But it seems moot, you know? Like, it kind of cancels out the advantage. But anyway, um, I don't know. Are you going to check it out? It's free. It comes out yeah. on the 10th. I mean, yeah. No reason not to. Yeah, I am kind of like, I'm just curious to try it. Like, I'm, I am in a weird way looking forward to it because um, it is out on July 10th, so it's mere days from now. Um, and Nintendo, I'm really curious, like, what the production values of it are because Nintendo in the lead-up has been doing these daily 15-second videos starring the three viruses. There's red, blue, and yellow which used to be named Fever, Chill, and Weird in the old uh, Dr. Mario comic, but then was officially brought in as canon in Dr. Mario 64. I can't believe I'm talking about Dr. Mario canon. But anyway, um, they changed the names, which is dumb. But anyway, the the shorts are very... Have you watched any of these? How would you describe these? They're not great. They're not bad They're either. not bad. They're just... You know what? They, they actually They fit the name of the yellow guy. They're weird. They exist. They they exist. They're they're strange. We'll, we'll put a link to the playlist of all of them in the blog post. Um, but yeah, they're all like I can't tell if they're low effort intentionally or what. But like the voice acting and the animation and like the general premise of each is just so they, they exist. That's the way I put it. It's just kind of strange. Like red is the cool one, yellow is the dumb one, blue is this kind of British properly speaking guy. I don't really know. But beyond that, like. Their mouths aren't synced, which is fine. That's not a big deal. But, like, the voice acting is really flat. It's it's strange. There's one video where Blue literally says the exact same line twice. And it's only 15 seconds long. So, like, how... how I Like, I can't... Or even just the way, like, the announcer says Dr. Mario World. Like, I think I'm going to refer to the game in his tone from now on. He's just so... He's just, he's always like, like, they do the thing and it ends with him going, Dr. Mario World. This is like, why are you not more excited about your game, random man? So... I don't know. It's just kind of funny. It's very strange. I can't tell if they're like purposely making them kind of cringy to get attention that way or, or what. But it's, it's just funny because like if you contrast them with the other big mobile game that Nintendo and, well, really Pokemon Company have been pushing these last couple of weeks, which is Pokemon Masters. If you contrast how Dr. Mario is being promoted with those videos and then you go look at Pokemon Masters, which got a full four-minute, fully animated, fully voiced trailer of all the trainers... It's just such a stark difference. It's just kind of funny. Um, which actually brings us to Pokemon Masters, unless you have any other thoughts on Dr. Mario. I'm really just looking forward to it. doesn't mm-hmm. look too complicated, but it looks like it could get complicated enough just to be entertaining. It does look... It honestly does look like um, this could be the first, like, real home run of a mobile game for them. Because, like, there was some stat I saw the other day that the average Candy Crush player... Or not the average, but there's like some stat that there's some Candy Crush players that play three hours a day, like a large number of them. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So there's an audience for these sort of simple puzzle games. And if you have the Mario license on top of that, and if you put Bowser in a doctor suit, I'm pretty sure you have a hit on your hands. So, yeah, I think that I honestly think, you know, silly promotional videos aside, those virus vids are weird, but that aside, this could be a big game for Nintendo, possibly in some ways bigger than Mario Kart Tour, because it'll appeal to a broader audience, I feel like. So, because, you know, there's, you know, your grandma's not going to play Mario Kart Tour, but a lot of grandmas play Candy Crush, and a lot of grandmas may play Dr. Yeah, Mario. Yeah, the grandma market is very important. It is. It's a huge market. 
it doesn't seem like it, but that's how those numbers about like how two thirds of American play video games are true is through stuff like Candy Crush and whatnot and the grandmas. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Pokemon Masters. This definitely does not uh, appeal to the grandmas. This is more for the the fans of the show. Actually, to our conversation earlier, to the point of the conversation earlier about how do we get into Pokemon, this really applies to all of that. I feel like because it's it has all the trainers from the games, but they're all in their animated show form. So it's kind of like combining combining things. But anyway, yeah, they did a mini Nintendo Direct style video, I guess you could say, where they explain the ins and outs of the game. And Angel, your theory about how this would work was spot on. Pokemon Masters is not about collecting Pokemon, but building out and collecting the teams team of, of trainers, trainers yeah, yeah. each of whom has one signature Pokemon, which is now calling a sync pair. Figures. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a game, but yeah. that was a good call on your part. But yeah, you'll have a team of three trainers, uh, and you go into these three-on-three battles that use this kind of now real-time battle system instead of a turn-based one, and the strategy of it all is when you unleash your moves. It's kind of... It's kind of similar to Teppin, actually, because as you battle, there's going to be a move gauge that fills. And only once it fills the amount that you can use for each move can you use those moves, and you have to just kind of weigh the pros and cons of, do I want to use the weaker move that I can get to first, or do I want to wait and build the stronger one? Which is literally how the card placement in Teppin works. So that's kind of a funny parallel that I didn't even realize when maybe I was putting this together. Because, together and maybe the devs are just eating lunch together, and they're like, hey, this, what do you think about this mechanic? Like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And, and, then, then, and then they're like, wait, and they go back to the office, you're like, guys, Guys, Teppin's doing the Teppin's doing the thing. We should do the thing. And now here we are. But yeah, it was funny because like I was putting together, you know, the notes on Pokemon Masters before I even tried Teppins. And now I'm like realizing as I'm looking at this, like, oh, it's literally the same. But um well it's actually I guess you could say the more Teppin like in a way is the gauge isn't just limited to the Pokemon attacks. It sounds like DNA is actually giving trainers abilities too. Like what they're doing is Pokemon will do, it seems like the offensive moves, offensive moves, not the offensive moves. Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon will flip them off with the with the gauge. No, uh, Pokemon will be doing will be on offense, and trainers will be doing the more defensive stuff like stats boot, stat boosting, and healing and that sort of thing. So you actually will have a trainer button pop up when you can't when you know when whatever times they have that it can pop up, and you can have your train you can command your trainers as well as your Pokemon. And then there's also at certain times going to be a special trainer Pokemon combo thing called a sync move. So, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, probably not enough to get me to download it. I mean, I care about the Pokemon, not so much the trainers. Right. I mean, Red is cool. Cynthia was cool from Diamond and Pearl. But I don't really care that much about the trainers. It's funny. If anything, I care more about the theme that accompanies the champions. But, you know. Yeah, I, I will say, like, here's the day. I mean, you were saying earlier you only got into Pokemon once Breen was there because the battle system was elaborate enough. Meanwhile, I was in the every step of the way, and surprise, surprise, I'm kind of into this. Like, looking back at Pokemon spinoffs, I can't think – I actually can't think of any that are downright bad with the exception of maybe, like, Pokemon Dash on the DS. So I have some faith that this will be pretty fun in its weird spin-off sort of way. I mean, way. I'm sure it's going to be good in some way, yeah, but it just yeah. resonate it's just you. the core mechanic yeah. I don't really care about. Yeah, and I think I think the reason I have faith that this might be good is Pokemon Company is giving it such a huge push. Like, when Pokemon Dash came out, it was pretty muted. So the fact that, like, Pokemon Company is this confident suggests there's hope that's good. And honestly, like, the concept of bringing together all the trainers from past games and from the anime, that's kind of fun. Like, it's very much Pokemon's everyone is here moment. Um, and, you know, they explain it in-game by saying the trainers are all competing in this special Masters tournament on Artificial Island, which, you know, um, doesn't sound like the setup to any sort of evil big plot twist at all. Uh, but I, I do wonder 
how the hardcore fans are going to handle this, the diehard fans, because they're still kind of melting down about the national decks being left out of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, so much so that the producer of Pokemon, uh, Masuda, he actually put out a letter to fans about the lack of the national decks, which may have made things worse because he basically went like, yeah, uh, no, which isn't really addressing concern. Now, now I think it's, we talked about this last episode a little, and I think we're on the same page that like, who cares? Yeah, like Game Freak, just stick to your guns. It's your vision. Do your thing. I can understand why some people are upset because Pokemon Home implied you could import Pokemon that now you can't. And, like, simultaneously, um, you know, some Pokemon fans view the game as this ever-growing thing while Game Freak's trying to now wean them off that perspective. But regardless of our take on how they should do it, like, in some ways, good for Game Freak for sticking to their guns. But they probably could have done a bit more with that note, right? Like, to just be like, nah. I feel like, you know, they, well, not even <laughs> lie, but they said in interviews all these reasons, like, you know, there's a lot more animation involved, and and then people are, of course, making these dumb videos, where like, look, the animations are imported directly from Sun and Moon, except they cut the animation short in the comparison video, and it actually has friend, more beyond that. Um, One of my brother-in-laws, um, he showed me this, like, thread that I guess was happening around the time where they were saying, like, like, oh, man, these animations are so easy, or the model is so easy to make, I could do this in, like, five minutes, so then, like, people actually took that challenge. It's and couldn't. Yeah, and people were, like, were posting, like, their five-minute, like, models and animations, and, yeah, like, yeah. they clearly, like, the people that actually tried it now know, like, okay, like, all right. Yeah. It, it's, there's more to it than just that, especially considering, like, there's a bunch of new Pokemon that we don't even, we haven't even, we don't even know what most of them Yeah, like but yet. some people are just arguing, no, every Pokemon game said every Pokemon, this one should too, but I think, do you hit... There's a tipping point. Like, I, I, there is a tipping point. They have almost a thousand of these point, guys now. There's no way I mean, one of the you can keep stacking Pokemon forever. I mean, one of the tipping points was um, Black and White. Yeah, they like, did a reset then. They couldn't fit in all the Pokemon then. It wasn't until, like, Black and White that we probably got, like, most of them. I don't even know if all of them made it in. But, like, every Pokemon had, like, that was the first time they were all animated. Like, they couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, and the fact the fact is we all lived through that and survived and are better people for it probably. So we can do it again, guys. Just believe in Game Freak a bit. And I do get like some people are like, okay, fine. They can't do the animations with their current team. Why don't they hire more? It's just like, guys, yes, that's valid. You could just hire more, but that's not the vision of the game. They're doing a black and white reset again. Like, accept it. <laughs> and and I think And it's gonna have more Pokemon than like any starting yeah. gen, so Yeah, like it's 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 silly. They're gonna but... have more Pokemon than you guys I mean I, I said this will I be sad if Chatsop doesn't make it sure I'll be a little sad but there'll be something else but then of course there's I mean, people that are saying well but why do you why do you get to decide Game Freak if I get my Chatsop why can't I I know that's the, there's an entitlement here that's still really frustrating to see like the Pokemon fan base and I feel like we can say this because we're old school Pokemon fans like we were talking about our Pokemon fan cred a little bit ago the Pokemon fan base is pretty toxic. I mean, every fan base is pretty toxic, but I feel like the Pokemon one is especially harsh these days. Like, look at the freak out about Let's Go. Guess what, guys? It's not like Let's Go delays Sword and Shield. They were two separate games. You were still getting your Sword and Shield, and you're not even happy with that. But, like, everyone freaking out, like, oh, Pokemon Let's Go is dumb. Like, oh, da, da, da. It's all, like, the gatekeeping and all that. I don't understand it. Like, don't play it if you don't want it. Yeah, it's it. It's, like... Vote with your wallet if you really care. And clearly, 10 million plus people bought Let's Go. So there were, myself included, so there were a lot of people that were happy with it. I was very happy with it. You did not buy it. And yeah. you're happy with your decision. And you're not, like, yelling at Game Freak for doing it. I never like, once got mad at Game Freak. I don't 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's so. I ridiculous. think the game looks great for what it is, but what it is is not. Not a game what you for me. want, right? Just like Pokemon Masters, and like maybe Pokemon's moving in a direction that isn't what a small subset of the fans want. Like maybe stuff like Sword and Shield and Pokemon Masters is more the future, and they're not going to cater as much to the whatever it was they had before. But like, that's kind of their prerogative. And I, I do think the one thing Game Freak could have done better is not just been like, yeah, um, no, in the letter. Like that letter just. Like, the th- it was dying down a little. They put out the letter and it, like, just flared back up again because the letter didn't actually say anything. I think what they probably could have done is ex- – and they don't have to, but if they just want to, like, shut up the fans. Um, they probably could have explained it a bit better because, like, in interviews – like we were starting to say about the animation. In interviews at E3 and in Famitsu and stuff, they did outline why they're doing this. I feel like if they just put that in, like, the letter in a more, like, official capacity, it would have at least been like, well, there's a reason. If I – I don't like the reason, but they gave a reason. Instead, they're just like, um, uh, yeah, no. So, so yeah, that that's kind of like I think they mishandled that letter that they posted. But I think that their overall idea and goal is the right one to take. That's just my two cents. What am I? But a casual Pokemon fan in the eyes of the everyone, really. But anyway, back to Pokemon Masters. I didn't mean to go on that little side tangent. Just sort of popped up, but um. The one lingering question I do have about Pokemon Masters is arguably something that really can make or break the entire experience, and that is what is the monetization scheme here? Because when you when you first floated the idea, Angel, about collecting trainers, I think you said at the time that you know you unlock them to gotcha, like that's how you do it. You get random new trainers, and you have to you know then fight with them, and that would make sense. But what's interesting is that the Pokemon company seems to be skirting around that idea entirely because they keep talking up the story mode. And as of right now, multiplayer isn't even confirmed. So I'm kind of curious, like, as you go through the story, are you interacting with generic trainers? Are you unlocking trainers as you encounter them in the story? Do you only, like, do you gotcha to get the trainers, hypothetically? And then every trainer you face in-game is unrelated to the core trainers, the masters, if you will? Like, hmm. how's this going to work? Like, maybe some trainers are in the story and some are gotcha, and you kind of do, like, a hybrid. And, like, what are the differences between the trainers? And, like, you know, beyond their Pokemon, like, are the trainers going to have individual stat differences like Dr. Mario does with its doctors? And, you know, depending on how all that shakes out, it could make for an either really fun experience or it could drag things down if it's all up to chance and randomization. So, I don't know. I mean, it'll be out sometime this summer. We'll know soon enough. Not like Dr. Mario soon. It's not coming out July 10th, but it will be out before the end of summer and we'll have some idea. So, I guess we just have to wait, wait and see at this point. Wait and see. Indeed. Yeah, but while I'm asking a million uh, rhetorical questions, let me throw on one more. Where's the mini switch? Where's our switch mini? Where did that go? Where is that at? Who wants it? Well, here's the thing. Going into E3, multiple sources, you know, like Bloomberg here in the States, Nikkei in Japan, they were all saying there's an announcement coming in June. And Nintendo responded with like a, ha ha, not at E3, it won't, which, you know, opened the door for any other time. It, like the broader idea was still sound it could be in june but now here we are in july and there's still nothing and i don't know if nintendo changed their this reveal is date. this is literally why unless like there is official word anywhere i really don't care or bother to look at what anyone says especially like reporters well well here's the thing you're you're yeah. making the fake news argument i feel like you're a step away from doing it um i don't think they got it wrong i think something no, just I mean, changed it, well no i'm but... not saying like it's wrong. it's just like i'm not going to bother wasting like thoughts on it well the only reason i even bring it up is because like 
what happened is i mean it's one of gaming's worst kept secrets at this point the thing's coming but what what makes it so funny to me is well, the, then i guess we'll see when it does no but I, I, the thing i thought was kind of funny and the reason i was mentioning it is the other week nintendo had their annual shareholders meeting where actual members of the public who own nintendo shares are allowed to attend and ask questions and you know sometimes these questions are insightful and can lead to intriguing teases of what's to come we'll get to one of those in a bit and sometimes they're downright silly. Like there's one guy who used to every year ask what's going – like could we get more Kirby? That's a real thing every year. And then this year there's actually a shareholder who the final question of the meeting, he asked if he can receive passes to Super Nintendo World when it opens at Universal. It's so like these questions are dumb. But sometimes there's good questions. And one shareholder specifically brought up the rumors of the Switch Mini. Um, well, he called it a new Switch form factor. And then Shintaro Furukawa, Nintendo's president, he responded with, and I quote, it will spoil the surprise for consumers if you shared any information. The, the surprise that's already been spoiled, you know, the one we've been talking about for two months. I mean, he did go on to say it's also against shareholder interest for them to reveal it before they're ready and yada yada. And it, 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 he led with the surprise thing, which just I find very funny. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of ribbing Nintendo here a bit. Like, obviously, they'll do it when they're good and ready that's how it should be. It's their product. It's their timeline. We're just the customers. That's fine. But I just found it sort of amusing that he's saying, oh, we don't want to ruin the surprise. We're not going to con on the Switch Mini at all. But then simultaneously, as he's saying this, there's a drip feed of leaks coming out of Asia of like their Taiwanese memory chip supplier is upping their account because they're prepping for a new system or like, um, you know, all these third-party accessory makers in China are like putting out press releases like we have accessories for the new Switch Mini. And then the um, perhaps biggest, most legitimate leak is Big Ben. They're an accessory maker over in the UK, and their packaging for Switch Mini accessories leaked onto the web. And that seems, you know, it's all suggests there's a Switch Mini coming down the pipeline, and Nintendo just keeps going like, mm, maybe, who knows? But it's just like, yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny. So now the question becomes, though, when does this thing actually get an announcement? When Nintendo announces it. Correct. I guess my point is more like, this year? When will it, or not so much an announcement? When will it release at this point? Because I originally thought June made sense because they can tie in with the first five week onslaught. You know, we had Mario Maker two, we have Fire Emblem, we have Marvel Ultimate Alliance, all coming out within a few weeks. Of each Mario Maker two would have been good for kids. I think so, and it's made for kids. So I mean, we even know what it is if it's like just a handheld. It's just primer, a handheld. Yeah. So all the case leaks of from Big Ben and whatnot, it's a handheld that looks like it's ditching the Joy Cons. Mm. Yeah. So basically, what we all suspected. But uh, yeah, I'm now thinking like. They could release it during their second wave of a five-week dash of games uh, in late August and September. Like, you know, launching a new system alongside games like Astral Chain and Damon X Machina that does guarantee extra attention for those titles, which makes them kind of perfect launch games. Like, it's in the same vein as how, like, a random game like Excite Truck was able to sell extremely well because it came out with the Wii. Or how Monster Hunter got a huge pick-me-up when the new 3DS came out because it was one of the launch titles. Or new 3DS XL, I should say. Um, or not new. It was just the 3DS. No, it was the new. Never mind. Um, so yeah, like, I feel like you know they can launch it with Astral Chain, Damon X Machina, and then a couple of weeks later, you got the heavy hairs of Zelda Link's Awakening and Dragon Quest Eleven S. Plus, like Nintendo has released redesigned systems in August before. I mean, the 3DS XL, that came out in late August with Super Mario, New Super Mario Bros. 2 back in like 2012 or something. So there's history here. Um, but yeah, it just seems like that, that, I guess, is the next goalpost. We just keep moving the goalpost. It was June. Now I'm guessing it may be August, which means we could find out about it in the next couple of weeks. Maybe they announce it this week, and then it shows up at Comic-Con. They've done that with the Super Nintendo Mini and the NES Mini, so who knows? But it's 
I saw this plan that they went on this whole, no, 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 we, we gotta keep the surprise. Meanwhile, the whole world knows. The only people that don't know are like the competitors and what that exactly entails. And they probably do know because they have supply chain access. So, who knows? But uh, really, mm-hmm. like... Well, Nintendo knows. Well, <laughs> Nintendo knows, yeah. Some people know. The, someone's uncle at Nintendo has told them, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, the uncle. The uncle at Nintendo. Yeah. But yeah, really, it's this sort of speculation is what makes the shareholder meeting like kind of fun and what it's good for. Because like, obviously, if Nintendo didn't present anything up front in the meeting, they're not going to drop bombshells in a random answer. But they will give hints of what's going on behind the scenes because investors need you know something to chew on. And sure enough, they did that in a very peculiar way this time because um, it was an unexpected comment from Miyamoto, and he was talking about the futures of controllers. Or the future of controllers, not the futures of a single controller. Um, yeah, the answer essentially stemmed from a shareholder asking whether Nintendo thinks staring at a screen with a controller in your hand is where gaming will always be. And then Miyamoto just kind of casually dropped a, hey, we're still getting weird with control ideas, which is kind of like, I thought we were past this. But anyway, to put it in his words, he believes, and I quote, we should quickly graduate from the current controller. And we are attempting all kinds of things. Our objective is to achieve an interface that surpasses... graduate? Yes. I mean, the Pro Controller is great. I know. Our objective is to achieve an interface that surpasses the current controller where what the player does is directly reflected on screen and the user can clearly feel the result. I mean, I already feel that way. (laughs) Right. He went on to say that they haven't achieved it yet. Like he said, motion controls were not the answer. They direct quote from Nintendo, which is the same Nintendo who five years ago said the opposite. They quote, didn't work for all people. So it's an inter- it's interesting how Nintendo's kind of flipped. Well, as, as Microsoft Mr. seems to have figured out with the adaptive controller, I guess. Well, I don't even know if they're saying like, yeah, I don't know. Well, what you know saying. what? Nintendo or Miyamoto, I don't know. I, I kind of, I love Miyamoto, path work, blah, 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 but <laughs> like, and I kind of lost a little faith in him. Well, here last few years, so like if he's trying to redesign something, I don't. If think, he's at the head I of, think you're you're taking this is, more uh, um, as a bigger thing. So I think what he's saying is what? what we have currently are the best controllers we can get. He at one point literally said, um, uh, "Let me see if I can find the quote." He at one point literally said something along the lines of. The current setup is the best in terms of accuracy and reliability. Buttons, D-pad, control stick. Someone's like, is that always the interface? And he's basically like, we're always experimenting because there could be better interfaces. Do we know? Mm-hmm. Right now, this is the best we've got. But yes, the fact that they're trying to find something else is, to your point, potentially So they said nothing, basically. So well, it's like here, a, no. All, so yes all, so no. all they said was like, oh... We have the best thing we can, but we're always thinking of better things. Here's the nuance to it that I find interesting. Because essentially, Jesus. yes. Well, <laughs> no, here's the nuance I find interesting. As Mr. Armchair Analyst Nintendo fan over here, contrast what he said this time with the stuff Nintendo was saying about the Wii back in its prime. Like back then, it's all about building a new way of play to get those blue ocean non gamers into the fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them a touchscreen, give them a Wii remote, and then, you know, watch what happens. It'll change gaming forever. And so many of the games of that era both ones aimed at the, that crowd and at us, the core fans, tried to leverage those concepts. You know, you got stuff like Zelda DS with Touch, or Motion Control with Metroid Prime 3, or Waggle with Mario Galaxy, or Finite Motions of uh, Sky, Skyward Sword, and, you know, all that. Here, Nintendo's kind of being like, oh, no, 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 actually, the touch, imp- or the, the buttons are the best. And it's just like, Nintendo always offered those buttons. 
they just de-emphasized them to the point that all their games were built around not using them. And now they're kind of like, mm, well, actually, they're the best all along. We were just trying to sell you on something else. Like, it's, it's very subtle, but the fact that he's like, oh yeah, the most accurate way of playing a game, the most reliable way of playing a game is buttons and sticks. But there's such a long part in Nintendo's history in the last decade where they're like, that is not the best way of play. Have you tried motion? Have you tried touch? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Well, and it, for trying different things. Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting to see them flip it because now the motion is an add-on to the standard controls opposed to the standard controls being an add-on to the motion and the touch. All right, but HD Rumble, that was necessary. That was like... It's pretty cool. Yeah. Honestly. That's all it is, though. It's, yeah, it's I really know. It's, cool. It's not necessary. Yeah, but I, I just, I, the only reason I brought this up is one, Nintendo's still being weird to the point that they also confirm Quality of Life is not dead, the initiative for that product. It turns out the sleep tracker that Pokemon Sleep is using is not Nintendo's. Nintendo's Quality of Life thing is its own entire sep- entirely separate thing. But, um, yeah, it just shows they're still, even though right now we're in like prime, like Nintendo's about core games mode, there's a chance we won't be again. And they seem to just flip on a dime. Like, they could go from motion's the future to actually it was never the future to this new win button we created is the future. And that's kind of why I wanted to mention it. Because I thought it was interesting that they... The narrative isn't as concrete as it seemed. Miyamoto's literally contradicting himself. So, just something to be mindful of, I guess. And keep an eye out. The sleep tracker lives on. The more you know. So anyway, that's pretty much it in terms of news. Um, But there was some stuff we've been playing. What have you been playing lately? Anything that? Uh, I think I already mentioned everything. I mean, I talked about Crash and Teppin. That's been pretty much it. I mean, I play a little God of War, a little Resident Evil. little Smash Bros.? Yeah, a little Smash Brothers. I'll probably play some Smash Bros. today, but yeah. Well, I've been playing a bunch of new stuff, new releases. It sounds like I said new, new stuff, new releases. Um, And I'll start, I guess, with the, the biggie that the show's named after, which is Super Mario Maker 2. Um... I think the best way to sum this up is it's basically two steps forward, one step back, the game. And I, I realize that's the reversal of the usual expression. It's usually one step forward, two steps back. But it really, it really does sum up the game well. Like, there's a bunch of stuff Mario Maker 2 does right. And then there's also some choices they made that just feel like kind of going in the wrong direction from the original. And, I mean, obviously there's the whole multiplayer controversy leading into the release where, as of right now, you still can't play with friends online, but it's coming. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like, oh, but hey, it's online. And that kind of dichotomy of it is really the embodiment of the whole game. Like, seriously, take the take the level editor, for example. So um, I'm assuming the making of the games or the levels is what's actually improved? Like, just well, the, the, the yeah, straight yeah, up making. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, the level editor is – it's really good. There are a ton of options to choose from, and I really like what Nintendo's done with the interface. It, it feels very much like a Nintendo-fied design. You know, like little things like the undo button. That's a dog named Undog because, of course, it is. Or like the full race button. If you want to clear your stage, it's a rocket that counts down backwards. If you have to hold it down, it's very flashy and everything. You know, just so you don't mistakenly erase your stage. But it's in a fun way. Uh, but, yeah, there's some really good overall menu improvements and building tools and whatnot. Like the the new wheels for selecting items and enemies are really intuitive. It's touch-friendly in handheld mode, complete with, like, some two-finger gestures. So you can jump around the stage really easily. Uh, it has co-op to build with a friend. Many of the new systems it introduces have led to some insanely creative levels already online. Like two mechanics in particular I wanted to mention were the switch buttons and the moon. Uh, the switches in particular have shown great versatility because they can be used both for like precision time speed running and for straight up puzzle segments. 
And I've noticed that in a lot of multiplayer stages, folks have created levels where you need to have different people in different corridors coordinate their switch pressing or do things where, like, you know, one person has to stay in one place while someone else has to go somewhere else. Like, it, it's pretty it's pretty clever. And then for the speedruns, a lot of people have made stages where you just need to get the timing so precise to hit the switch to land on the thing it generates that there's a lot of interesting designs with that and it's kind of funny because like you know when when it was announced everyone's like oh my god slopes they have slopes now holy crap slopes but yeah no the switches are the real game changer at least right now and then there's the moon too which is really cool because um the effect it has on things like gravity have led to some kind of clever designs i mean there's um one particular one near the top of the chart if you go into uh the online course browsing it's basically a 2d mario world or mario galaxy i mean and it, it it's really well done like it feels good it looks good it plays well so there's some cool mechanics that come out of it and you may have noticed that i specified there are multiplayer stages that's another nice thing about mario maker 2's level editors because as in the original you can add tags when uploading levels to indicate what they are and one of those tags is whether it's made specifically with multiplayer runs in mind or not and the game will actually serve the correctly tagged levels in the respective modes you choose to play I mean, it's, it's a very much a well-duh, of course it will sort of thing, but I didn't really think about the fact that, oh yeah, if you do multiplayer, will there be levels designed just for multiplayer? Can people build things where you need to cooperatively or competitively do things as a group? And sure enough, that's something Nintendo thought of, and it's built in there, and you can filter by that, and when you go into the multiplayer modes, it only pulls from that. It's, it's, it's good. But all that said, I was building towards a butt here, because it's two steps forward, one step back. And for all those great improvements and additions... You know, there's new tools to edit with. There's a better UI to do it. Um, there's a big but, and that is they no longer allow you to edit levels you download. Uh-oh. Now, for me personally, this isn't a huge deal. As I've said on the show before, I frankly am someone who is barely going to use Level Editor. I plan to instead dedicate my time to playing the, the uh, content that others create. But even for me, the fact that you can't edit other people's stages is kind of problematic because it, it stifles a huge part of the level building community which means that the output they produce the levels that i play will be affected by that because if you can't edit existing levels you can't riff you can't remix you can't learn how someone figured out a new technique or trick and how they went about doing that you can't apply that to yours i mean sure you can like see the final product and kind of reverse engineer some of it but it's a lot more work you may not get the full picture you're losing out on the kind of remix culture so to speak that could come out of this and what's perplexing to me is that this was possible in Mario Maker 1. It's just not here in Mario Maker 2. And I, I guess on some level I understand where they're coming from. Like perhaps Nintendo had more issues of people re-uploading a cool level as their own than we know about. Like maybe it was a very frequent problem. Uh, and obviously you don't want that. It's the Mario Maker equivalent of clout chasing if you just steal someone's level. But if people really want to steal a level, they can still manually rebuild it. I mean, yeah, this will add a roadblock. But also roadblocks the collaborative opportunities that can provide. So it's kind of like you got. I feel like they'd be better off letting it happen and I then just monitoring. Wonder if it's a monitoring. thing or something because it's the same thing as Smash Brothers. You can't edit levels that are already you download, and some levels are really good. But sometimes when I'm playing through them, I'm like, oh, this would be perfect could you if I could other just smashes. I don't. I can't. I don't remember. Because if it, but it goes still applies to the Mii. Like if you download a yeah. Mii specifically the Miis, it's like oh i love how these look but i want my up b to be this it's like nope i have to recreate that Mii which is beginning. weird because like i don't it's i know dumb. there were clones of stages and Miis and whatnot in other nintendo releases in the past but like is it that bad that they're gonna cut off a whole like half of the creative process 
It just yeah. seems extreme. I don't know. I think another... And especially cater to the people that don't really want to design, like, a whole level from scratch. Like, sometimes, yeah. like, like I just said, like, you might have an idea based on something that someone already made or, like, a way to tweak it so that you like it better. I think what's funny about it is when you boot up the game and get past the tile screen, you're taken into a level, sort of. Like, to, you can pick your menu, but you can also just edit that little, like, start of a level on the fly. And Nintendo has a pre-built level that you can edit as you see fit right there at the title screen. Oh, like but the they don't game. let you yeah exactly but they don't let you then do that with other people's levels but they kind of tease that you can go edit pre-made levels which you can if they're Nintendo you just can't if they're on the course world which is weird yeah I think another step back although not nearly as severe is that um, Mario Maker 2 is decidedly less weird than the first one like honestly one of the coolest things in my opinion with Mario Maker 1 is that Nintendo seemed they seem to release on a system where they knew only the diehard fans were paying attention. So they're just kind of like, screw it. Let's get wacky. Let's get weird. Let's just throw whatever we want in there. Everything in the kitchen sink doesn't matter. So, you know, you got things like the mystery, uh, yeah, the mystery mushroom pop up where it would warp Mario's sprite into all sorts of odd shapes. Like, I miss you, skinny Mario. Or like, you know, the uh, amiibo costumes that made sprite art of tons of Nintendo characters as pure fan service. There's no other reason for them to be there. Or, like, the rotation of, like, super odd title screens it used to go to. Or even things like you could play as a Mercedes SUV. Like, there's all these bizarre things. They're little itty-bitty things that don't really matter, but they built towards, like, a certain vibe in Mario Maker 1 yeah, that Mario Maker 2 doesn't have. The Amiibo exclusion is literally why they didn't get it, because that means they can't play as Bowser. You will spend 60 bucks to play as Bowser, but you will not space, spend 60 bucks to not. Yes. Interesting. But, yeah, like, it, 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 that sort that of thing... Correct. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying. But yeah, that sort of... That is all. Okay, that sort of thing, though, it, like, it seems... Like, it just Mario Maker 2 doesn't feel like the wacky project some Nintendo employees were secretly working on on the side and then kind of less in on the secret. Mario Maker 1 kind of felt like that. Mario Maker 2 feels like, like a standard, polished video game release. And to be clear, it's not to say there aren't some oddities or fun random things to be standard. had. But it's more like, yeah, it's more like curate like obviously it's un Nintendo no it's it, I'd say this is very Nintendo it's the other one felt un Nintendo and that's why it felt so special because it felt weird like I mean, not weird like, like I, I not weird like, like Nintendo weird weird like weirder than Nintendo weird because like Nintendo weird is like a curated weird like Nintendo weird is like charming weird like obviously the bizarre world like the WarioWare games because those also just feel really weird yeah okay yeah I guess I should say Mario Maker weird yeah it went from being like a WarioWare to like a Mario in terms of how it does weird stuff I mean there's still some stuff like the bizarre world of the moon button you know the Emmy surprises the anti-grav all that like that doesn't feel like normal Mario I get that and neither does you know that you can platform as a go-kart or in a go-kart or that the Mario Land like bouncing fireball is back that was a cool surprise the uh, super ball I think it's called or, you know, you can trigger special events at certain points. Like, uh, you can have applause or confetti or these giant console logos that flash when the music changes. Like, all that's there, and there's still occasional Easter eggs. Like, if you uh, insert a door in your level builder and then start tapping it repeatedly, one of a couple dozen different Marios will pop out, including Skinny Mario, actually. So, I, I don't miss him. He is there. Um, you know, they'll be there for a split second. But it all feels more, like, normal in a way. Because, like, it, it's, again, it's one of those, like, one step back, two step forward things. Because, like, that stuff, like, they have little things, but it's not a big part of the game. And then what is a big part of the game is they add a whole lot of charm that wasn't there. Like, it's, like, polished charm. I don't know how better to describe this. There's, like, the the super weird Nintendo that dominated Mario Maker 1 and got replaced with, like, polished charm in Mario Maker 2. So, like... Would you notice if you hadn't played Mario Maker 1? No, it's fine. It's just comparison. That's why it's, like, a step back versus a problem. Yeah. 
because like uh like i'm happy to report the new story mode is actually really cool it's contrary to what you thought it is a hundred actual fully fledged levels they are not half-baked things you build on top of they are real levels that you can play and yeah they introduce the mechanics as you go you know the switches the angry sun etc but it it is actual full levels and for each level you complete you then get coins and you get either a preset amount of coins actually and not either a preset amount of coins um when you go into the level if you beat it and then any coins you collect in the level you also get to keep and those all go towards building peach's castle back up it goes into a fund that used to rebuild it piece by piece uh but what i like uh is that it is charming in a more traditional nintendo way so you know you choose your stages by talking to this construction chief toad and each stage comes from an imaginary person like a meteorologist or a eccentric millionaire and that not only fits into the stage's theme but it has a matching level description that the folks at the treehouse clearly had fun writing like those are kind of amusing and there's banter between all the construction toads like things about like the pros and cons of unionization and at one point there's a frog with a disco ball so it's all very silly it's just not as weird if that makes sense it's hard to put into words what i'm saying but it's just like a different feeling and then separate from that there's also the online mode which of course is a huge step forward when it works the number one problem i've encountered is how well or not well it performs how lag free or not free uh it can be yeah it varies pretty wildly so one you know one co-op or competitive bout can be super smooth and then the next can be super laggy and you barely get past the first platform as a result and it's really janky but uh, more often than not it's it's good enough to play but it does dip down into unplayable with enough frequency that i felt i had to mention it which really is too bad because like how they set up online is pretty cool you can either do a co-op or competitive play and regardless of the instance you're basically matched with three other random people you get sent to a randomly chosen stage tagged for that specific mode and whoever reaches the goal first wins the round if it's competitive but what's neat is nintendo also lets you send pre-written messages so like if someone is in competitive and beats it there is a how how did you do that like there are those sorts of like reactions already built into the game and as soon as the round ends you get to jump straight into another if you want or you can bail out but for every one that you win you earn points towards your overall grade which goes from d to c to b to a etc and for every loss they subtract a small subset of points that's very much like you know any other nintendo online game and all these factor into a global rank number you have which is the leaderboard that led to the controversy about the online friend play but uh what i really like is whether you do online multiplayer or like you choose a course world uh or not course world endless course um option to just do endless single player you're basically given a never-ending shuffle of Mario stages. Like, 100-man Mario is out. It's just endless now, which is cool. And at the end of it, you get to rank what you thought of the stage, both in multiplayer and single-player. And um, if you're on, if you're doing the single-player, you even get to leave Miiverse-style drawings and stamps and notes and whatnot for the creator. And I assume all these rankings and comments and stuff actually will help improve what stages get picked as time goes on as it kind of whittles down the good stages. So it, it's cool. It's like that they did a lot right, but again example one step back they did so much right but then you can't browse the levels in the switch online app you can browse smashes in smash world the original mario maker literally had a website called what was it, like super mario bookmark or something that you could this go on a web- mobile app what this one doesn't have a mobile no companion? not at all that's what i'm saying so weird. Like, perfect I, for it wow. again this isn't exactly a one step back because they never had a mobile app but they have the website you they have the infrastructure. It's yeah. so nice to browse stages and me's on Smash Brothers. First, I know, Brothers, and so. it's it's like this would be. Per- I mean, literally, the Mario bookmark site for the original game is still up. You can still go there and bookmark 
stages and then go to Mario Maker on Wii U and download stages. You cannot do anything of the sort with the sequel. And given that there are 10 million Switch Online accounts right now, it's not like there's not a big enough audience for them to make it worth their while. They could do it. But they just haven't yet. Maybe it'll come in future updates. The nice thing about Nintendo these days is they keep pushing out updates for things. So we may get a lot of fixes to what I'm talking about. And and honestly, in the grand scheme of things overall, there's way more to like about Mario Maker 2 than there is to dislike. you got the whole like the whole hundred stages of the single player mode, the ability to do an endless mode, you can build your own. So like, you know, on that level, no pun intended, uh, I recommend it. I just wish there were a few things Nintendo maybe did a bit differently or better, which hopefully they'll patch in in the future like they're doing with online friend play. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say any of the drawbacks should stop you from buying the game if you have any interest. Just be aware of them. So that's game number one I was playing. Game number two is uh, Cadence of Hyrule, which has big shoes to fill because it, as I said at the top of the show, is the very first indie game made with a Nintendo IP. And not just like any Nintendo well, IP. I was say because the first one was such a big... Um, oh, such a big popular game! Like that too. Yeah, on the on, in the indie world, it has yeah a reputation to live up to as well. That's true. I didn't yeah. think of it from that side. I mean, I haven't played yeah this one. I played the first one, but overall, like a few people that I know that I've talked to that beaten this one have said that it's not as good as the first one. But it's they, also, also they, because they it's simplified, they yeah. made things a little easier because they Zeldified some stuff, yeah, which anything, makes it less of a roguelike. Yeah, if anything, it sounds more like. If you're curious about Dance of the Necromancer, you should play this one first, get yeah. a taste of it, and then play the other and one. And I think uh, Crypto Necromancer is actually on sale still. So you could get this and then play that after, yeah. But I, I do need to point out, I kind of suck at this. Like, I, I, it's more of a me <gasps> problem. What? No, I mean more so than most oh, games. What? More so than most Whoa. games. Let me let me, let me me put a disclaimer. Oh, oh, Hi, I, I'm I, Jason. Wow. I'm, I'm mediocre oh. to... I'm mediocre to meh no, at video games. It's not this true. one, I'm under that. It's not possible. It's very possible. Huh. Well, anyway. But this is more of a me problem than a Cancer Survival problem, obviously. I mean, I've come to realize I just don't have rhythm. But the the basic gameplay is the same as Crypto Necrodancer, for those who have played that. Everything moves in time with the rhythm of you know whatever song is playing, your movement, your actions. All the on-screen enemies are all kind of in sync to the music. The idea is that you're essentially participating in this elaborate dance with everyone on screen, all kept to the beat with a meter that displays along the bottom and as you dance through it you'll start to see that you know there are different enemies that have different tells for their attacks like some may lunge a certain way or perform a certain animation to beat before their move others will move in certain preset ways like you know maybe they only charge at you if you cross their path or they bounce between a few set spots um it all sort of becomes like part of the dance if you will and it's 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 if anything it's more like it's, it's more like a rhythmic game of chess where you need to like outmaneuver the enemy and attack them again, all, all to a beat. So, um, and that's even more so actually because the the actions you take are automatic. Like if you go towards an enemy, Link will stab them when you move on the next beat. And again, like chess, it's all kind of on a checkerboard, and what you do is driven by the squares. So, more powerful items you get as you go through the game, for example, those can span multiple squares or go diagonal across them. And, you know, the sword you get at the start, which actually you can play the whole game with, from my understanding, um, that sword can only go one square, whichever direction you're facing. So there, there's kind of, that's how the power-ups work, so to speak, is that, like, you have the squares and everything just, it gets you to more squares. Um, and in the instances where I was able to lock in with the rhythm and really get a groove going, it felt great. Like it, like once you're in the zone, it's it you, it's great. My problem is that I just can't stay on rhythm. And uh, you know, for every beat missed, there's a quick pause in your movement, yet not for your enemies. That's kind of the punishment, meaning that now the dance is skewed against me, 
and they get a move and attack or whatever, but I I don't, and that puts me at a disadvantage. Luckily, Brace Yourself Games, uh, the developers, they were smart enough to realize that some folks like me don't have rhythm, and they actually include an option called Fixed Beat Mode where you don't need to stay on beat. When you move, the enemy moves, and the music is just sort of there as background. Uh, what's particularly nice about this is you don't miss out on any of the game features should you choose to do this mode. It's the exact same game, right down to the fact that there are online leaderboards with daily challenges, and they have a set of leaderboards for fixed beat mode, and they have a set of leaderboards for the full regular game. So you're not hindering anything or losing out on anything if you choose to turn on fixed beat mode. So far, I have not done that. I My argument in my head, which is dumb, is it's a rhythm game. I should power through it as best I can because, like, it's made to be played to the music. So thus, I must have to play it to the music. It, it's the same stubborn mindset that, like, I don't know if you remember the first year when Smash Bros. Brawl came out on Wii, and I insisted on only playing with the Wii mode and Nunchuck because that's the controller, the platform of the game's platform. I have to use that. That's the standard way to play it. There's no other option. I'm having that exact same sort of thing with, like, well, it's a rhythm game. I have to, gotta do it. But I'm thinking I may cave soon. Even if it means I can't get through it. Even, exactly. But no, I'm thinking I may cave soon because I don't... Like, I don't want to miss out on the full game experience just because I don't have rhythm. Like, the rest of the game from what I've played so far is really well done. It is a, kind of a mix of, like, a traditional Zelda and a roguelike. So, like, each time you start a new file, the general overworld kind of slides between all these different tiles. And it is very much like an old Zelda, but the tiles are shuffled. And then each, you know, screen has its own enemies and whatnot and then as you travel around you find and beat these four dungeons all of which are fully procedurally generated and contain all sorts of different music riffs on zelda enemies with their bosses and whatnot like there's a this one's in the trailer so i think everyone's seen it but there's a goma with maracas who's apparently renamed to gomaracas it's like little things like that or there's the one with the guitar like it's cool but the other roguelike element is the uh disposability of some weapons so things like torches, um, glass weapons, those can all break or be used up. And if you die, you also lose them. But what's kind of nice is, and this sort of bridges it with like traditional Zelda, is you only lose non-vital weapons, things you can't get back. So you lose torches, you lose glass, we- you lose glass weapons, you lose your rupees, you lose your shovels, you lose any keys you collected. But you keep, and this might be why some people think Crypt is better because it's more of a true roguelike, you keep your more significant items. You keep traditional stuff like if you get the hookshot or the boomerang or what have you. And the game also gives you diamonds depending on how long you can stay on beat while defeating enemies that um, you can then spend at the start of every new turn when you die on more temporary items to replace the ones you just lost. So you're not really ever at a huge disadvantage if you fail. Like it never feels bad to fail minus the need to just repeat what you already did. Like they, they help you out and give you things. Now granted, if you want to be harder, you can just not spend the diamonds. But the fact that they give that, at least I, I appreciate. And those Zelda tropes, you know, things like the hookshot and the boomerang, those extend to the overall feel of the game too. Because, yeah, it plays like Crypt, but it surprisingly feels very much like Zelda in structure. Like the dungeons, the overworld, the various little nods and Easter eggs. It's all very Zelda. Perhaps even more so than I expected. Like, I I think even the inclusion of co-op, which is cool. You can do it, um, two people can play through the whole game together. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel out of place for a Zelda game. Because, you know, Four Swords did it, Triforce Heroes did it. Um, really the only thing that I guess feels un-Zelda is the fact that you can actually play as Zelda right from the start, which is very un-Zelda, but it's a cool thing that they did. So um, I think, lastly, of course, what helps with it is the music. Um, it's really, really good. Like, on some level, I also want to recommend buying the game just to be able for you guys to, like, hear the songs as you explore Hyrule. Like, they're really good. And I think part of what makes it work so well is how it, the tracks, like, 
they kind of blend and mix into each other really seamlessly and you know even with things like what's happening on screen like if you go on from a screen with no enemies to one full of enemies the music ramps up in intensity in a really organic way but pretty much instantly it's really cool so whatever song is playing is suddenly way different like has guitars added or other stuff that wasn't there a second ago and then the tracks just blend together so well it's the music's really cool and and really like whether or not you have rhythm like me uh you're in for a treat like especially if you're a big zelda fan um and the fact that they do offer the fixed beat mode leaves pretty much no excuse for not trying the game because if you can't get through the rhythm you can still just enjoy the music and like honestly it's just a cool spin on zelda it it also if you were to pick it up sends a message to nintendo that hey we the fans are open to these sort of like unexpected collaborations so i would recommend checking it out for those reasons um the music's great the game feels more zelda than you expect but it's very unique in its own way because of the enemy mechanics and yeah just the music so so that's canes of hyrule uh personally for but me wait there's more there is because personally for me the timing of please don't go the game <laughs> hey they're not going anywhere cause, but uh, no, I was going to say, personally for me, the, the timing of the game's release also just worked out really well because at E3, the fine folks at uh, Human Things reached out to me about trying out their Genki Bluetooth audio adapter for Switch and then provide me with one of their combo kits, which was very nice. Gotta love that name. Uh, yeah. Human Things or Genki? Human Things? Yeah, it's a pretty solid name. Um, but, and you know, so it's kind of like what better way to try out wireless Bluetooth for Switch and with a music game like Can't Survive Rule as well as like the time sync of Mario Maker 2. So I got to try it with both and uh if you think about it like before we even get into genki if you think about it it is odd that the switch which totally supports bluetooth it's what the joy cons use doesn't support actual bluetooth headphones never did you're stuck like wiring them in so a number of companies beyond just genki looked into perhaps releasing dongles that let you use bluetooth but um genki was the first one on kickstarter and it's specifically designed for switch not just a retrofit of USB-C adapter and uh, they raised like half a million bucks because it's like made for Switch. And what's kind of funny is like, I didn't ever really see the need for something like this initially. Like I have a pair of wireless Beat Studio 3s, but I keep the original, like the, the aux cord it comes with right next to them anyway. So I would just plug it in when playing Switch. But now that I've started using the Genki, like I don't know if I can go back. Like it's so much nicer. And I mean, my mom, my mom used to have this idea that she called the microwave theory of life which is the thinking that you're able to get by without a microwave no problem you cook stuff in the oven you can boil water on a stovetop but then once you get a microwave you can't go back to not having a microwave like the convenience is just too good you just can't so like that's kind of what switching to a proper wireless bluetooth headset is like with the switch like now that i've done it i'm like oh why would i want to fish around with a cord all the time i can just pop this thing in and i'm good to go so part of the reason i feel that way yeah, I mean, is, say what you will about the not that great looking AirPods, but once you have AirPods, yeah. any kind of wireless like headphones, like you kind of put up with it. Like I don't like I like I didn't like how they looked at all. I went like almost a year without getting them, but then eventually like I just got them because I didn't have. And the a, convenience is just so awesome. Yeah, right? like I didn't want to bother with the dongle, and because my obviously like my phone doesn't have an earphone jack. But right. Once I got them, it's like yeah, this is just way too. And not to mention the fact that it could easily switch them. Like they automatically sync with all my data because I have an iPad and an iMac. Yeah. So it's like, why not? And you know what's nice is uh, my Beats have the same the W1 w- chip yeah. as your AirPods, and it works just fine with the Genki. Like it, you sync it, you're good to go. And then when you go back to your Mac, you just turn it back on with the Mac, and then it jumps between all your iDevices as usual. So it doesn't like overwrite or do anything weird. Like it, it all plays nice. And and part of the reason that like I'm like, oh, I'm never going back is besides just it's wireless. It's like Genki just works. Like it works well. You plug it in to the bottom of your Switch via USB-C. 
You sync it by pressing the buttons on the side, which rather cutely match the color scheme of the Switch. So you can either get like a unit with blue and uh, red neon or with gray, and then you just sync right up and you're good to go. And the, the only thing is, depending on your headphones, there may be the slice of lag in the audio. Some headphones support low latency formats that others don't, so you have to be mindful of that. Like mine, for example, my Beats do not support the low latency format from my understanding. Um, but it was almost completely unnoticeable. Like, it was fine. And before you ask, because I know someone out there is thinking, no, I don't think this that that small lag is why I was bad at Cadence of Hyrule, because I played it both with and without headphones and was equally terrible. So it's not the head, it's not the, the lag. There, It's not noticeable enough to really drag me down that way. But um, I do think one particular nice thing about Genki is... Cadence of Hyrule does have, like, a kind of generous window for you to press the button so even if like it is exactly off like it won't really make that much of a difference you just adjust to it yeah exactly yeah exactly but uh, i do think the one thing that stands about genki versus just any old adapter is it's built for the switch it's built with the switch in mind it cares what the switch needs um so that means you can sync two pairs of headphones to you simultaneously so you can play multiplayer uh it means the dongle itself has a usb-c port pass through so you can charge your switch while using it it means that because it's usb-c it doesn't require any battery it just uses the switch's power and if you get the combo pack that I got, it also includes a few other accessories also catered to Switch. So there's a mini boom mic you can plug into the aux jack of the Switch for voice chatting while playing, you know, at least in games that support it, like Fortnite, um, you know, support on the device versus using the app. Uh, there's a nifty stand it comes with. It kind of looks like an easel, and it's designed to address the fact that if you are using the dongle, the Switch can't use kickstand mode because the dongle makes it too, you know, it's too big, too tall. Um, but this easel takes care of that, and it comes right in there. And then there's also... This one's kind of cool. There is a second adapter in the box, and you plug it into the back of your Switch dock and then play your TV wirelessly through your headphones. Wow. So if you're like, if you know, if you need to be quiet, you have a way to still play. So it, it's just really a well-thought-out, well-executed package all around. Like, literally, the package itself is nice. It um, comes in a Switch plastic case, kind of. Same height, same red spine. Has little compartments for every item. Actually, has four slots to stick game cartridges included as well. So you just carry around this case. Like you could tell, this thing was made by Switch fans and for Switch fans. And uh, yeah, basically, if you like, if you're interested, the main adapter is fifty bucks. The if you want the combo with the TV dock adapter and the easel on the mic, it's seventy bucks. The prices are admittedly a bit up there, but you get what you pay for. The big build quality is really solid. I have no issues with that. They work exactly as advertised. It just boils down to like whether your existing Bluetooth headphones have support for and low latency Nintendo tech. Nintendo an update and to make them all compatible. No, they support USB. Actually, interesting when you plug it in, the volume no. rocker specifically says USB C. No, I know. I know. I mean, like, and then the switch will just release an update that will just make it so you don't even have to use a dongle. Potentially. Potentially. But I in mean, the meantime, who knows when that? It's not different happen. than the Apple thing, like the whole sidecar with. Other yeah, or like what? Yeah, when they Sherlock something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's always the risk you run when you buy an unofficial product. But like, as far as unofficial products go, it's the best you can get rid of. This is yeah, it's it, it and it feels pretty like native to it, even though it's you know from a third party. So it really, like I said, it boils down to your low latency tech on your headphones and whether that matters to you, and it boils down to whether you want to pay that much. But I I'm I think it's great for what it is. So if you you know if you're in the market for it, I always am of the belief that you should get the best quality product you can get. So. So that's where that is. And with that, we have one more order of business to get to before we're done, and that is our Twitter giveaway. So we, on Twitter like a week ago, um, put up some keychains, two of them, from E3. They are for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, and Nintendo's getting them out if you played the demo, as well as if you uh, went to the Best Buy events. So they weren't exclusive to E3, but they're close enough. And we have to pick two winners. So our two winners are... I sort of already picked them. Winner number one, 
is uh, Kurt Bopp at Kurt Bopp 6. And winner number two, I just realized I forgot to write down. So I'm literally going through it right now and grabbing it. Um, I'm just going to pick someone at random here. Here we go. We'll go with this guy. We're going to go with Frank. At Frank from Patties. Yes, it's just always Sunny account. I should probably make sure this isn't a bot. Either way, we'll figure it out. Those two are our initial winners. Congrats to both of you. If one of you isn't, if one of you isn't real, I'm pretty sure Kurt is. I don't know about Frank from Sunny from Philly. If one of you isn't from Patties, if one of you isn't real, we'll find another winner and we'll announce these on Twitter as well. The winners once we get in contact with you guys. But thanks for entering, everyone. Um, all it took was a retweet. I would encourage you to um, keep following us around town because you never know when we may do another Twitter giveaway. And it's also a great way to get updates on our next episode, which will be another convention episode, but this time Comic-Con. And uh, at Comic-Con, it tends to have a pretty big presence. So we'll be back in two weeks' time with impressions from the show, news, and who knows whatever Nintendo, you know, whatever else Nintendo's doing. Um, given that Comic-Con runs through the weekend we'd normally be recording on, it's going to be a couple of days late, the episode. I'm thinking probably around the July 23rd, which is a Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that to make sure you don't miss it. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on any or all the podcasting apps, Stitcher, iTunes, or sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, if LinkedIn has a podcast platform, we're probably there too. I don't know. But yeah, do that. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Our channel is RamNintendo.com. And that's how you ensure you don't see it, uh, or that you will see it, that you do see it. And if you want our individual, like, real-time Comic-Con happenings, I'm at JSR7 on Twitter. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And with that, we still got a day of anime expo to go to. So I guess we're going to go do that. <laughs> <laughs>